Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. My name is Drew. What's up, everybody? Hey, hey. Yo, yo. What up, what up? So. Same old song, man. How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Just starting another episode, just kind of getting in the rhythm of things. Oh, is that what we're doing here? Yeah, man. I'm, you know, I'm stretching my vocal cords and I'm flexing my, uh... My mental muscles, uh, you know, as yeah. we prepare to engage on another pod, 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 sticular journey, podcastular journey. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Does any of that work? Any of that uh, do anything for you? I can always edit it in post-production later. Or maybe I'll just no, leave no, it no. in. Keep it in. Keep it in. Okay. Okay. I want the people to know that this is pure, unfiltered handful of me that they're getting whenever they... Yeah jump onto this podcast we don't to, write our jokes or workshop them in advance so no, not at any all. banter any banter that you listeners are hearing is completely improvised on the spot exactly it's just a hairy sweaty handful of the realest purest form of my essence and it's a marginally slightly less pure form of my essence because <laughs> i i only follow albert's lead on this uh-huh. I, I really have no idea where he's going with these with these uh concepts that he's speaking so i, I just it's pure stream I'm, I'm, of consciousness. I'm the backup singer dude i'm the backup singer it's, when it it's comes all to this. stream of consciousness man uh, yeah. like i've turned my word vomit into a word ballet of sorts so you know here we go we just so, came off uh, bye week uh, last week. We didn't post an episode. Yeah. But well, now we, we are back too. in full force. Exactly. We need breaks too. And I, I'd like to think that we recharged our batteries. Well, and speak we're ready. for yourself. I don't have a life. So if I'm not recording the podcast, I kind of just <laughs> sit in a box and wait until it's time <laughs> for us to get on the microphones. So uh, Friday nights, the, the the closet door opens and you come out for your couple of hours of uh, verbal jousting before you slouch back into your closet cave for the rest of the week. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You're you're kind of like Small Wonder. You remember that Small Wonder from the 1980s? No, what I have no idea what that is. That was a 1980s sitcom about this family that has a daughter who's actually a robot, and <laughs> she was a yeah, she was a small wonder. Okay, okay. So, so they kept I this would, daughter in the closet all week until it was time for her to come out and play with the friends. Uh, with her brother, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, okay. She she had a life outside of. Of uh, you know, she had a life outside of living in the closet. She went to school. They they had to make her appear to be normal. But when it was bedtime, I'm I'm pretty sure she slept in the closet, standing up. You know. Wow. That's yeah. Strikingly like my life, except yeah. instead of school, I go to work. Yeah. If she was a real child, I'm assuming that she would be pretty warped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> I don't think sleeping in the closet is the worst thing that can happen to a child. She was sleeping standing up. That's got to suck. Don't horses do that? Yeah, but she's not a horse. She's a robot. It's totally fine. 
<laughs> Normal. Yeah, yeah. It ain't child abuse or anything. Well, I'm pretty sure fictionally it wasn't child abuse, but I'm pretty sure that child star went through went through some sort of some form of hell. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't believe that child stars have the best of lives. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, a lot of them end up messed up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, it, it does not end well. All right. <laughs> Enough of that. Let's, <laughs> let's get to this week's topic, shall we? So this week we decided that we wanted to do something a little different. Well, you know, we wanted to flex our creative muscles, and we wanted hold to hold on, hold on a sec, Albert. What you got? I've been listening to the first few minutes of a lot of our previous episodes. And I've noticed that usually when you introduce our topic, you say this week we decided to do something a little bit different. But if we're doing something a little bit different every week, <laughs> is that really that different? Uh, I'd like to think that when I say we do something a little bit different this week, what I mean by different is that we're doing something different in the same way that Marvel every four months or so or every year has a universe altering event that leaves their universe completely different. <laughs> Nothing will ever be the same again. Exactly. Exactly. So when I say we're doing something a little bit different, I mean it because okay. nothing will ever be the same again. This moment won't ever come back. This Once this moment has passed, we will never get it back. You are channeling your inner Cape Comic event spewing huckster. Exactly. Hey, kids, Excelsior! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's the little difference? Sensational the... Stanley here. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the little different thing that we're doing this week, Albert? So we've. We've discussed manga in the past of uh, the various manga that we've we have gone over, and uh, this week we thought we'd do a bit of a dive, a deeper dive into the particular topic of shonen manga. Uh, this is something mm -hmm. that we don't regularly uh, we don't regularly focus on this too much because, well, I don't know about you, but quite frankly, it's 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 an aspect of the manga world that I don't, I personally don't read or mm -hmm. follow too much of, even though it's probably the, the largest, maybe the most popular. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely. According to manga. sales, it's, yeah. it's the most popular and best selling form of manga. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the most popular anime are also based on shonen manga. Yeah. It's kind of the stuff that, uh, a person who's never read manga before would think of when they see like a cosplayer or a weeb or uh you know whatever colorful term you wish to uh embrace them by uh whenever you see your local neck beard whatever <laughs> mouth breather um you know i have a ton of these just terms of endearment for you know, the unbathed, the unwashed, smelly masses, uh, what have you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did you, did you so, want me to keep going? 
No, I, I think you've painted a portrait of what you think of the audience who reads shonen manga. Yeah, yeah. I I believe I chose my words wisely. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of set the tone for what people can expect to hear from you this episode as we dive into the different books that we're going to talk about. Absolutely. So this episode, we are actually discussing the first volumes of four famous shonen series. And the four series are Death Note, Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, and Chainsaw Man. And the reason we decided to go with four volume ones was mainly because, as Albert said, we don't typically often imbibe in shonen manga. And we thought that it would be a fun exercise to examine a few of the most popular ones just to see what it is that we're, I don't know, missing out on, you know, to try and understand what's really popular out there because we don't normally get into this kind of stuff. I don't even really watch these anime very much. So it's, it's all uh, fairly new to me. I have an idea of, of uh, what a lot of these stories are about, but I can't say that I've read a whole ton of shonen manga, or at least not in the popular sense. Mm. Yeah. Good. Do you mind me asking? I, I I think it's fair to say that based on what I've said, people have gotten an estimate of why I haven't read it, but do you want to put in your own words why... These are manga that you haven't really uh, had too much experience with? I think mainly it's because I just don't have too much interest in them. A lot of the, I guess, the concepts of them, at least based on what I see when I look at anime trailers, they just don't draw my attention. Like, that's not really the anime that... I usually tend to watch, even if it's the anime that most people who watch anime watch yeah. and talk about. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's the most popular kind of stuff in the category. So, you know, yeah. I can't help but be aware of it. I just don't know it very well personally. Maybe Maybe we should start by providing a definition of shonen manga. So... Shonen manga, I guess, well, I'll say this is our working definition uh, or the definition that we'll be operating from as we uh, proceed with our discussion of the topic in this episode. But shonen manga is Japanese comics primarily marketed and aimed at a young teen male readership. Think of boys from ages 12 through 18, generally speaking. You often think of boys <laughs> ages 12 through 18? I sure do. <laughs> okay. Man, if you ever commit a crime and, and they listen to our podcast as evidence to, you know, build a case it's all around your character. Drew. It's satire. Okay, okay. It's all satirical. Whatever amount of energy I put into thinking about nubile young men and Oof. or boys, it's satirical, Drew. It's performance art. 
Uh, I'm not sure if that's a good <laughs> art to perform. <laughs> uh, you were saying? I'm sorry. So, yeah, shonen manga, Japanese comics primarily marketed and aimed at a young teen male readership. Although that's not to say that other people don't read these comics. Because, it's not exclusive. Yeah, young. it's not exclusive. And I'll I'll even say that there are certainly times when I think the distinction between categories like shonen and seinen can be a little bit blurred. Hmm. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that as we uh, go through our episode. The other thing that I wanted to point out is that the popular understanding of shonen manga and shonen anime is stories characterized by underdog young male protagonists who fight hard to overcome a series of obstacles in an action-packed setting where becoming stronger is often equated with character development. And I think that's really what sets apart the popular shonen manga as we uh, tend to recognize it. You know how people will look at something like Demon Slayer or Naruto or yeah. Bleach and be like, yeah, that's that's a shonen. Yeah. You know, so there's there's like a certain pattern or a type of formula. Can I, you might say, can I characterize them uh, mm-hmm. with a quite quick question? Sure. Um, so just based on your definition, like one of the biggest things that pops to mind and, you know, you tell me if this counts or not. But I was thinking of something like Pokemon. Is that mm-hmm. would that be a shonen? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I don't see why like, not. Yeah, uh, based on the definition that you've laid out for us, a young boy goes and travels the world and, you know, battles a bunch of uh, opponents and, you know, levels up his skill set. And that physical development or, you know, that battle uh, development also is a stand-in for his character development basically right mhm mhm yeah okay okay you means that there's there's a chance that uh something like pokemon could even be for a younger audience than typical shonen just because i guess it's not as it's probably not as violent i don't think i don't remember any pokemon getting their heads ripped off so no yeah there's yeah. none of that yeah but in, and certainly in terms of the patterns or the formula of the story it it certainly fits what we think of as a shonen manga i guess how i another way that uh i refer to them in my mind is like shonen battle manga or shonen battle anime because so much of those stories are centered around battles mm-hmm. anyway i thought it would it would be interesting to discuss shonen manga because we haven't really touched it on our on our podcast at all yeah i do want to point out that we have talked about quite a few other manga in our podcast in the past yeah totally yeah like just to name check the ones that uh i remember we've talked about quite a few seinen on our podcast and, and seinen would be manga that's aimed at uh you know young men like 
you know, just the age group, age bracket above Shonen. So, you know, probably like older teens or men in their 20s or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, some of those, some examples of those would be Akira. And we also talked about uh, the movie as well as the comic. We talked about Girls Last Tour. And that one was a fun episode because I remember we talked about the entire manga series and the anime adaptation. Right, right. We did an episode on Space Brothers, Volume 1. We did an episode on the entirety of Inuyashiki. We did an episode where we talked about Ryuko by Aldo Yoshimizu, or I think that was his name. I, f- I might have forgotten his name, but uh, there was that. And there was also Blood on the Tracks mm. by Shuzo Oshimi. And uh, when we did our science fiction recommendations episode, one of my picks was Planetess by Makoto Yukimura, who's uh, pretty famous now as the mangaka behind Vinland Saga, which is super popular. Mm. And we also discussed a shoujo manga on our podcast like a year and a half ago. We did Sailor Moon. So there's that too. Yeah. Uh, but as far as I can see, this is the first time we're touching shonen manga. Maybe we'll have to do something on Jose at some point just to round it out in some yeah. gekiga. Yeah. For sure. That it's um just listening to the stuff that we did cover, uh yeah, like it you know, uh if if for those of you who have been faithfully listening to us for all of these episodes, um yeah, those those particular manga manga don't yeah, they don't quite fit the mold of uh, uh, shonen manga, like you were uh, not as you described it, right? Where mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't really feel like like Space Brothers wasn't about him fighting a bunch of you know planets until he could get to the moon, so that he could be like, I'm gonna beat the moon someday, and then I'm gonna be the greatest astronaut in the world. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how fights work. But I think you've just come up with an idea for another shonen manga, though. It could be about somebody who's training to be the best astronaut of all time, and the only way he can be the best astronaut is by, by beating up all the other astronauts so that he's oh, okay. the only one left. <laughs> okay, okay. I would read that. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, I, I think that's indicative of just what our personal tastes are. Uh, and, and I think that's consistent with what we tend to focus on on this podcast. But, you know, e- even with Western comics, we, we definitely have our moments where we enjoy our our fisticuffs. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess it's a lot about superhero comics on this podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. So I guess it only makes sense that we we touch on these uh the more these pretty this pretty fa- uh, large chunk of what makes up uh manga you know this this mm-hmm. sector of manga that we can kind of go over with you guys um cuz what is this podcast about if not to explore comics in all of its forms yeah exactly so, uh, like we said, the four series that we're going to be talking about today are Death Note, Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, and Chainsaw Man. We read the first volumes of each of those. But 
leading up to this, before deciding which four books to read, we did also consider a whole lot of other series that we could have read volume ones. And uh, maybe we'll just uh, go through some of the ones that we didn't read for one reason or another, just to acknowledge them. But the the one that we kind of grew up with uh, was Dragon Ball Z. And we we thought about reading volume one for this episode, but then we realized or remembered that the English adaptation of those books was was done by Gerard Jones. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he got convicted of uh, like... <laughs> Child He's a well-known pederast. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, so yeah, that was that was. I don't feel question. comfortable uh, giving acknowledgement or uh, of 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 that work uh, to uh, giving acknowledgement to him, even though you know he he's not. All he did was translate it, right? But he he adapted it, which means I, it, I think sorry. it means somebody else translated it, and he probably you know rewrote it from there, from based on the translation. Yeah, but still, it's too much involvement where I don't think I can yeah. overlook. Uh, just his name on it his is gonna contribution. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Exactly. It's gonna taint the experience. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm good. I'm good off that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was also the big three, which was which is One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach. But uh, yeah, I wasn't super interested in any of those. I remember I tried watching the first three or four episodes of One Piece like 15 years ago. It, it wasn't anything that drew my attention, and I think I've just stayed away from it ever since. You ever yeah. have any familiarity with One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach? Uh, I'm familiar with all three of them, but, uh, with one piece in particular, uh, I wouldn't say that I had any real disdain for it or anything. I think the thing that kept me from that was that it's a, well, first of all, I'm more aware of it as an anime than as the manga. So... So the thing about it is that it's an anime that's been around for a really long time and it's still going. And I think it's somewhere in the ballpark of like a thousand episodes. Mm-hmm. And and I think the manga is still going too. So just in terms of even if I did want to approach or even if I did want to read it, it's just daunting, quite honestly. Uh you know, not that I have anything to say about, like, the ideas behind it or the, the concepts to it, but I just, I, I, I've i got so much other things to read that the idea of committing myself to something that's a thousand volumes long uh, or, or a thousand episodes long, I, I, I just, I don't want to do that to myself. I really don't. <laughs> Didn't realize you loved yourself that much, Albert. It's not that I love myself that much. It's that I hate everything else that much more. Oh, okay. Got it. Thanks for (laughs) clarifying. Naruto is something that 
a guess, lot of people that are a little bit younger than us grew up on yeah, Naruto. Exactly. I was going to say, if we grew up on Dragon Ball, it was kind of the thing that filled the void in the post-Dragon Ball sort of era. Or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whatever followed it up in terms of popularity. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't say that I have any real interest in that either um yeah i just i yeah i'm pretty uh pretty apathetic to it as a whole um i've I've heard you make i've heard you make fun of people who do the naruto run oh yeah that's definitely not something that i respect (laughs) yeah (laughs) like any i that's that's up there with cosplay for me uh yeah you know that's so for those of you who don't know, uh, there's a phenomena, or for a while there, there was a phenomena where people who were really into Naruto took it upon themselves to copy his style of running because they thought it would it either looked cool or it made him faster or something, but really it was just pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, I just don't really have. I, I think it's that level of passion for it for that show that also was an obstacle to me uh, getting on board with it. So, so it was the fans that did you win. It usually is. <laughs> so if there's a fan base that just annoys you, you're probably gonna hate the thing that they love, regardless yeah. of its merits in yeah. its own right. I'm petty like that. Okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I tell myself maybe someday I'll go back to it and check it out. Like, it's not especially long. I think it's just like, what, 50 episodes or something like that? What, Naruto? Yeah. No, that's like hundreds and hundreds of episodes, isn't it? The anime? Is it? I'm pretty sure. No way. Okay, well, we'll have to talk about this outside of here, but I don't... I, really? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean that anime ran for years, and there is a sequel too. The the you manga mean itself. Huh? You mean no. Boruto? Or I'm still talking about Naruto, because there oh. there was Naruto, and then there was Naruto Shippuden. Oh. Huh. Okay. Well, I'm looking I'm it up thinking... on uh, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia right now. There were yeah. 220 episodes of Naruto, oh. and then. Naruto Shippuden ran for another 500. Okay, now I definitely don't want to watch it. Yeah, and the manga... You've, you've, the you've manga, made this easy for me. <laughs> you made this man- incredibly easy for me. The manga was 72 volumes. Yeah, you've, you've definitely made this easy for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like I, it needs to be said, it needs to be pointed out that some people might say, how can I you know, say something about these manga when i read something like spider-man that's been going on for whatever but you know what those are different writers and i can jump off and on at any point <laughs> you know with that naruto i'm pretty sure it's just one long epic that you just have to read all the way through so i think the stories are still broken up into story arcs just like any other long form serial storytelling okay I don't know well, if that makes a difference to you. It doesn't. 
and as for Bleach, that's I think that came about. It, it sort of came about in the like it's maybe the not same era as uh, Naruto and One Piece. I mean, One Piece is outlast them, but yeah, but uh, you know, for a big chunk of the two thousands. Yeah. Bleach well, was I was gonna say up there. It, it it was kind of there in that early or like middle era of like anime where it was just beginning to get really really big I guess. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of one of the I guess the forefathers of like of anime like that they got really big in the states at the time. So I I remember like seeing commercials for it and stuff on cable, but I just never had access to it you know so Mm -hmm. but even Mm -hmm. you know even in spite of that i don't think i have too much interest in it well i'm looking it up on wikipedia right now and the anime is much shorter than the other two that we just mentioned this one's only 366 episodes yeah i still don't want to do that you could watch one episode a day for a year and you'll be done with it man i really don't want to commit myself to that (laughs) doing that 24 minutes a day, Albert. No, no, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> I refuse. I, I, I don't wish to take part in that thought experiment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just decided that we didn't want to do those because, yeah. well, I guess they were, in terms of the list of uh, the most popular anime that were available to us, uh those by default were probably the least interesting yeah there were a few other really big ones that came to mind that i was also thinking about and we we talked about a few of these but i'll just name check them but there's full metal alchemist i always hear really good things about the anime so it's one i'm a bit curious about i just haven't gotten around to it there's jujitsu kaisen which is another one that's going on right now which is quite popular fairy tale i know that one ran for quite a while black clover don't really know anything about it just something that i see uh whenever there's an anime sale or i'll go to the library and see a bunch of volumes of that on the bookshelf there's jojo's bizarre adventure Mm. i've heard a lot of good things about that but i still have no idea what it's actually about yeah i actually tried to watch one episode of that like maybe like last year um mm-hmm. I, I don't think i got past like the first like five minutes was it the first episode <laughs> i believe so oh okay i i want to say that i got sidetracked because something else happened but if i had to be perfectly honest i probably just turned it off <laughs> got it <laughs> <laughs> a legion of jojo's fans are screaming at you right now. <laughs> I wish a legion of JoJo fans listened to us. I would love those numbers. <laughs> I don't care if they like like what I have to say. As long as they're listening, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> if I won't, if I can't have your love, I will gladly take your hate. <laughs> yeah. That's that's exactly what I put in my dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> some other ones uh 
that I want to name check. Hunter Hunter. That's a big one. Oh, you mean Hunter X Hunter? Did you know the X is silent? Did you know Shut Up? (laughs) (laughs) There's (laughs) Spy X Family. I think it's just Spy Family. (laughs) Somebody was telling us, we were were talking to uh, Chrissy who was on our uh, Sailor Moon episode and she was talking about Spy Family with us and told us that the X was silent. (laughs) Well, what happened was I think I said Spy X Family and she corrected me pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one, I was curious about reading the manga when I heard about it like a year ago. Uh, I think the anime just came out this an- year, right? Yeah, the anime is currently airing this season, and it's really popular. And It's overtaken anime discourse. On If you go on anime Twitter, you're going to see a lot of people posting memes and stuff about it. And th- this could be a case of me pulling an Albert here, because I think once I saw that there was a massive fan base of people being kind of annoying about it, I started mm-hmm. to lose interest in actually reading it. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, I do feel like in terms of your pet themes, it's something that might be closer to being up your alley than not. It is about family, although yeah. it's kind of a zany family from what I can discern yeah but i think ultimately it's a it's an adoptive family sort of story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah maybe he's not quite a, a single father father but <laughs> uh you know it's it's it I, I think the the tones still hit the same you know uh yeah yeah if i had to guess yeah there was also My Hero Academia. That's a pretty popular show. And yeah, yeah the manga is another perennial seller in North America. That that one was higher on the possibilities, I think, because it's also a superhero comic. And mm. as a podcast that talks a lot about superhero comics, that could have been an interesting one to pick. But I guess I forget why we moved away from that one. Uh, yeah, I I don't remember us having, like, a really in-depth conversation about it. I feel like it was just a pretty, you know, just something we kind of threw out there in terms of whatever list we were putting together. And then we just, I guess it just didn't make it past the cutting room floor, you know? Yeah. What, there was also One Punch Man. You watched the anime of that, correct? I did. I did. Um... I enjoyed that you know it's well yeah i'd have to go into that on its own episode or something but yeah yeah maybe we should have read that one since then you would have enjoyed it possibly (laughs) (laughs) well uh, maybe we'll we'll see we'll see we'll we'll go into it as as we go into the actual forward that we did discuss Mm -hmm. yeah and then like the some other big ones that are notable names Detective Conan, a couple of sports manga, Slam Dunk and Haikyuu. Uh, oh, there I didn't was know also... we, we had Detective Conan on our list. That that could have been interesting. Yeah. I think I'm yeah. more inclined to enjoy something like Detective Conan than uh, Demon Slayer or something. Yeah, from what I could tell, that, that one's not quite as heavy on the battling 
aspect. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I, I haven't read it, so I'm. He's I'm a kid really detective, right? Yeah. So it gives me. It certainly gives the impression of being less centered on violence and possibly being more centered on solving a mystery. But yeah. I could be wrong. I have, I have no idea. For all I know, his uh, quest to becoming the greatest detective involves him beating up all the other detectives. <laughs> and, you know, maybe he, there's a martial arts tournament that's only uh, got de- other detectives to fight. So There's this little kid, guys. He's I outside mean, he's, and he's just crippling everybody. He's what, just what if, crippling everybody. What if the reason why his name is Detective Conan is because he's a barbarian? Yeah. <laughs> he's just walking around stabbing people in the spine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just left and right. <laughs> now I really want to read their necks. That. Yeah. <laughs> Tokyo Revengers. I've been hearing things about the anime. I think that's a more recent one too. I don't really know much about it. I'm not familiar with that one at all. And then a couple of other ones that were big from like the past, I don't know, 20 years or so. There, or maybe even more, but there was Yu Yu Hakusho, Shaman King, and Black Butler. Those are all series that have a lot of volumes to them. But I can't say I was ever too interested in them. Yeah. I remember, I remember watching an episode of Yu Yu Hakusho in my high school anime club, and I think that might have been the last time I went to the anime club. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like... One of the things that we decided on when we were choosing our four volumes was we wanted to try to pick anime that, I guess, or sorry, manga that represented various periods of time in manga history. Uh, So, you know, we, we picked some older stuff and we picked... Uh, Our list started with older stuff. I I guess at the end of it, we didn't really pick too much of a variety in terms of eras. Yeah. We we picked... Okay. I think, at least with Attack on Titan and with uh, Chainsaw Man, that was a matter of these two are pretty big in the current conversation just because they're... So is Demon Slayer. Oh yeah, and Demon Slayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, those were the ones that were the most recent and current. So I guess we felt like it made sense to choose those three. Yeah. 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 And Death Note was just something that I was always curious about. Yeah. There were a few '80s series that were in consideration like specifically fist of the north star like that's uh-huh. that's one i've been reading and I, i've actually been enjoying that one and then uh there was this old series called area 88 and i only bring that up it's it's actually kind of obscure but that was one of the very first manga that was translated into english and published in america back in like the late 80s or mid 80s i i found a full run of that in a quarter bin like eight years ago maybe what? even a little longer than that yeah yeah like when viz published it back then it was in a single issue format you know kind of like american comics so each yeah. issue was kind of like chapter. the way akira was done right uh like even thinner than that Th- these were like single issues of comics mm-hmm. so they weren't like prestige format they were just your typical stapled comics right right 
But unfortunately, they never actually finished the run because it was such a long series. But that one was about a, a fighter pilot who ended up uh, becoming a mercenary in a fictional war-torn uh, country. That, w- that one was interesting, but uh, yeah, it was unfinished. And then it's out of print now, so it would be a pain to try and bother recommending that. So you're, the issues you found are, are key issues? Yeah, they are the only issues that were published. <laughs> I guess that makes sounds key, key right? to me. <laughs> <laughs> so if if anybody, if any key collectors out there are listening, uh, give me a holler, send me a DM on on my Twitter or message us on our Instagram. Let's make a and, deal. Yeah, let's make a deal, man. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a really good deal on these issues. <laughs> There's also Saint Seiya. Did you ever read Saint Seiya or watch Saint Seiya? I grew up with that. Um, I had friends who were into it. And, you know, when we were kids, we didn't have uh, the subtitled version. So I, my friends were just watching, like, Chinese dubs. But mm-hmm. I think as a concept, that was something that jumped out at me. Because, one, it was dudes with armor. And, two, like, they, they were powered by, like, the constellations or something like that, right? They, they each had powers based on the constellations that they represented. So that in and of itself was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I never yeah. had access to it. But I remember yeah. the imagery and the, the artwork pretty vividly. Yeah. I was going to mention, you know, speaking of the, the list that you're bringing up, my a friend of mine did... I, I told him that we were doing the this episode on the on uh, manga, oh. and he did recommend what's that basketball one? Slam dunk. Slam dunk. Yeah, he said that was probably one of his favorite, and that's sort of I I think that that's something that could work too because it's not so much a battle manga, but it is about basketball players as they level mm-hmm. up by competing against other basketball teams. So yeah, totally. So that could have been definitely could have been a, a contender. Yeah, some other big ones that I thought about, but I I didn't really want to read were some some of the big Rumiko Takahashi series like Inuyasha, Rene, Ranma One Half, and Urusei Yatsura. I guess, I don't think I'm really a fan of her stuff. Like no disrespect towards her, but I I don't think her stuff you know is aimed at me. I'm not that target audience. I've I've definitely either read or watched some of her stuff. And I think you gave it more than your fair share. Yeah, like I read a chance. good amount of Maison Ikoku. Mm-hmm. I think I read like the first three or four uh, deluxe editions that were published recently. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's It just wasn't to my taste, ultimately. And, you just you know, didn't feel it in your heart or in your I loins? Did, I did not. I did yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. And something like Ranma One Half. That w- I've watched episodes of that in the past and it never drew me in. Uh, Ursa Yatsura, kind of the same thing. I was gonna tell you today, actually, I was on YouTube and I noticed that they're coming out with a new Ursa Yatsura series yeah. this year. Yeah, they're they're doing a, yeah. a remake, I think. Yeah, I might watch that actually, cause really? uh, yeah, cause maybe this is a nostalgia thing for me, but um, in those early years when we didn't have too much access to anime. Urusei Yatsura was one of the ones that I did. I was able to watch bits and pieces of, and mm-hmm. you know, because we didn't really have 
you know, the internet as it is today, I was just gobbling that stuff up just because that's what I had access to, you know? Yeah, I get so, that. I get that. So I, I might be willing to to give that a shot. Yeah, I think when it comes to Ursa Yatsura, the first two movies in the 80s were directed by Mamoru Oshii, who's one of my favorite directors. And the first one was kind of a... Probably similar to how the TV series was, because he did work on the 80s TV series. And I wasn't super big fan of that first movie, but the second movie is excellent stuff. And I would definitely recommend that one. Ursa Yatsura 2, Beautiful Dreamer. Check it out. It's it's a wonderful film. Uh, maybe it's not a great Ursa Yatsura movie as it as it is a Mamoru Oshii movie, but if you just like uh, I guess I don't want to call it an art house anime film or anything, but it, it's certainly I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of TV series fans who were pretty perplexed and confused by the movie <laughs> when when they saw that one. And from what I know, yeah, Rumiko Takahashi herself wasn't too happy with it because it didn't feel like her work. It felt like Oshii's work. Yeah, which I'm okay with. I would probably wager to say that Ursa Yetzer as a concept isn't one that's suited to an art house style. Yeah. Yeah. It's a series about a dude who has an alien wife or fiance, whatever the term is. And uh, you know, the whole running gag of the series is that she keeps trying to tie him down and, you know, be married to him. But this guy's just a total lech and a creep who goes around trying to bed every other girl that's in his proximity. Yeah. And it's just about the hijinks that ensue, which yeah. isn't really a high, high-minded concept at all. <laughs> it, it's, it's weird to me because, you know, just number one, to think that that was the concept that a woman came up with. And secondly, like the... That whole gag gets pretty old, but it does. It, it I, runs I see that. so long, so it it's, the it kind of blows like, me away. I want to say that the original series was like eighty or ninety episodes or something like that. I'm pretty sure it was more than that. It was like hundreds. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty but, sure. But yeah, for it to go hundreds of episodes and just have it be about how she just wants to be with this guy and this guy's just trying to get away from her. Yeah, uh, it it feels like something that wouldn't really fly today, but apparently they're making the remake. So I'm curious if they're gonna try and be sensitive to to modern audiences, or if they're just gonna yeah. keep it as is and you know, screw yeah. being politically correct. I guess. Yeah. 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 You know yeah. what's another manga that we didn't consider? What's that? Rurouni Kenshin. Yeah, well, if we didn't want to consider Dragon Ball, then I think that fits in the exact same category. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of reading comics by people who were arrested and convicted for child pornography. Yes, I'm. I I concur. <laughs> <laughs> I can do without that. Yeah, and then uh, finally, I do want to say that. There are other 
I guess, subgenres or types of stories in, in shonen magazines that don't really fit the popular mold of a of a shonen battle manga. And like I've read a few of those and watched quite a few animes based on those, and I've enjoyed a lot of that stuff, even loved some of that stuff. So there there were some of those that I was thinking about maybe doing, but uh I guess it would have been more of an interesting exercise, I think, to read the stuff that we don't normally read. But as far as the stuff that I have read or watched, or at the very least am curious about, I'll just name check some of these. But something like A Silent Voice, Two Year Eternity, Michijo, Shikimori's Not Just a Cutie, A Man and His Cat, Flying Witch, Oh Maidens in Your Savage Season, Komi Can't Communicate, your lie in April. Like those are all series that were published in Shonen magazines, but they don't really fit the mold of the battle manga. Mm. And it, I guess it's, I guess Death Note doesn't really fit the mold of the battle manga either. But uh, yeah, for whatever reason, uh, I guess we decided to stay away from the stuff that we would be more likely to enjoy and appreciate and. We sought out the stuff that we don't yeah. naturally gravitate towards. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, like I said at the top of this, like we wanted to give a give a shot to all comics, uh, and and this was a particular kind of comic slash manga that we aren't accustomed to talking about or really exploring for on this channel you know so we we thought it'd be a good opportunity and like you said a good exercise to uh you know pick these up and actually read them and i i don't know about you but prior to this episode as much as i was aware of these manga i hadn't actually read any of them so yeah uh, same here yeah so it's a completely new experience for us and that we're uh translating or communicating to you guys uh you know just what our thoughts of what we read are mhm let me ask you a question here albert but why do you think we don't typically gravitate towards these ultra popular shonen battle stories uh well okay when we started out you did say that there was something about the fandom that and their just intense love of it. Wait, that, did I say that or did you say that? <laughs> well, let's just say that we both said that or something to the effect of that. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but my point being that, uh, yeah, I guess there's something about it that makes me. I mean, on on the one hand, there's something about it's popularity with your typical anime fans that makes me skeptical of its quality for one thing. Uh, but even with, even if you ignore, uh, you know, the fandom of these particular manga, I, I would say that there's something outside of that, that doesn't necessarily make these jump out at me as, as something that I would seek out to read, 
you know? Um, mm-hmm. I'm this entire week reading these, I've been trying to, I've been fumbling and trying to figure out what it is exactly about them that doesn't appeal to me. And I don't know. I I still don't really know what it is. Part of me wants to say that maybe it's just the premise of some of them. They, they, they're not, they're not especially inspiring or creative premises that really do much of anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them might be bizarre or or just interesting because of how bizarre they are, but I think on their own, that still might not be enough to uh at the end of the day give me the drive to seek out whatever it is that i'm reading you know right yeah yeah i i yeah uh i i think i can discuss it more if we once we go into it on a case-by-case basis but Mm -hmm. um i don't know what are your thoughts why do you think why do you think this is these are manga that haven't been manga that uh we that you've sought out i think based on the various bits of random shonen that i have read or anime that i've watched i feel like i have an understanding of the pattern that they Mm. operate in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think that pattern is something that doesn't really grab me and i'm speaking about the underdog young male protagonist yeah who faces a series of foes that he has to defeat in battle yeah and every battle you know he's fighting someone who's stronger and stronger each time and in between he's got to train or somehow get more powerful yeah and it's an it's a repetitive action packed kind of story that that uh i guess it it equates becoming stronger with actual character development yeah at least when i think of something like dragon ball actually maybe that's a bit unfair to like generalize like all shonen in that category but i think that's if i really think about it i'm pretty sure that's the reason why i don't I'm not drawn to shonen in general. Yeah. Like now that I listen to you and now that you've articulated it, I yeah, I I, I definitely see that. Um like when I think about uh when I think about the anime uh that I typically categorize as shonen, like that's more or less my feelings towards them you know so again um when i think of something like pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh, like and just how the formula of all that is uh it's it's just not it's never been anything that appealed to me because it just felt like every week was about meeting the next you know card boss that you have to beat in order for you to get a little bit better so that you can fight next week's card boss 
yeah. or whatever, you know? And, yeah. uh, yeah, and it's, it's that, it's almost like a magic trick in that once you figure out how the magic trick is done, uh, to some extent, it's nowhere, it's not as special to you or as interesting to you as it was. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's not to say that I think it's too childish or anything. I mean, there's a lot of superhero comics that are probably equally as childish as a lot of these shonen stories. And, you know, we've, we've read our fair share of Drek in, in both worlds, but, uh, as far as shonen stories go, whether it's manga or anime, I, I, I think people, or I've, I've definitely heard fans speak about how they really enjoy the characters and they like seeing the characters develop over, you know, hundreds of chapters or or hundreds and hundreds of episodes. They like seeing the characters interact with each other and they relish the the emotions or, you know, as the kids say, the feels whenever something big happens and somebody has to die as part of the story. You know, those are those are the things that probably draw a lot of the fans you know i think i think that's the thing that appeals to people but for me it's it's hard to get into the characters when the at least when the stories begin they just start off as this formulaic thing because i'm not likely to keep on reading you know i don't have that kind of patience when it comes to to reading something or watching something because there's just so much other stuff that I'm already interested and inclined to read or watch. I don't Mm -hmm. have time to sit through like 60 episodes before I get to the good part, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to sit through, I don't want to read five volumes of manga just so these characters can endear themselves and then I'll be hooked. You know, like if the first volume doesn't hook me, I'm just not going to read volume two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, it's nothing personal, man. Because some of these just—they really aren't aimed at us, you know. Again, we're not—we're yeah, yeah. not little kids. We're not little boys. So, yeah. um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not lambasting these for not pleasing me or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like they're just not I aimed totally, at me. I accept I that. I totally agree with you, man. We're not little boys. We're we're big boys. We're, we're grown men. Oh yeah, we're grown men. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i meant <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i i totally get where you're coming from i i'm a, i'm inclined to agree with you in spirit although i think in action i've i've committed myself to more things uh that haven't hooked me in the first couple of episodes or whatever yeah you've so got I've, a lot of I've, patience I've definitely sat through a bunch of things that I didn't necessarily need to sit through. But like what? You know, huh? What, just, what are you thinking of? Uh, well, I was just gonna say like the various animation or cartoons that I watch, or or heck, even books, man. Like, like I've 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 read. Oh, what did I read? I I read like some Jed McKay stuff, like. I read at least two miniseries that he did. Yeah, but if, that, if I was a smart man, that doesn't I take that long. Yeah, if, if I was a smart man, I would have stopped after the first issue, though. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I was I was willing to see it out. I was willing to commit myself to it. And now my the the, the golden nugget at the end of it all is I learned that he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so your hard work paid off. Yeah. Well, Thank I, you for I, your sacrifice, Albert. Yeah. At least there's that. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. Like. Yeah, we, we we mentioned it earlier. Some of these anime go on for hundreds, if not close to a thousand episodes. And you know, if you told me that I have to watch all of One Piece without any guarantee of how many episodes in until you know this matters to me, I don't know if I could do that. You know, I don't know if I would take that gamble. Mm. Yeah. 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 Do you have wanna, any other? Uh, general thoughts about shonen that you want to share before we start talking about each of the books well i guess the one thought that i had i was i was gonna bring it up later but in terms of that style of storytelling where especially something like a battle uh a battle um mm-hmm. battle manga right that sort of style and again i'm gonna refer to something like pokemon right where you know it's it's this hero's journey where this kid goes from place to place and battles various obstacles and each obstacle is a opportunity for him to not only improve his physical prowess but to you know get quote unquote emotional growth through the experience of it right mm-hmm. like that's that's something that's pretty unique to manga manga like I can't and again, this isn't to say that Western comics are more complex or whatever than than uh, manga or anything like that. They're they're just different. But that specific story structure is not something that I can pinpoint in in a Western comic in the same way, which is pretty interesting to think of because we're we're at this point where anime has become such a phenomena in uh, Western culture that if there were kids who were reading it, uh, you know, X amount of years ago, they're probably old enough to be working in the industry now, uh, making comics. So mm-hmm. it, it feels like there should be something out there in the world that is like some sort of fusion of, of, of these kinds of, uh, manga in, in Western comics, you know? Yeah. But I still can't really, think of anything quite like it um, i guess the thing the one creator who comes to mind and he's an he's an older creator but adam warren oh yeah he's well, he's definitely heavily influenced he definitely by has, manga yeah and he's he done he's done his own adaptations of of manga character or anime and manga characters like he i remember one of the earliest comics i own is is uh he did a miniseries uh, an original miniseries that he wrote and drew based on Bubblegum Crisis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. He's probably the closest thing that I can think of. Um, I mean, there's a lot of artists that are inspired by manga, manga style, style art, yeah, anime sure. style art. Yeah. But I just, but you know, even thinking of. Adam Warren's stuff, and to be fair, I haven't read a lot of his work, uh, but you know, like, I don't know that I would look at any of those and consider them like battle manga, 
you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so like that, that specific formula of like, oh, every week there's, you know, this thread of the week that you kind of spend a whole bunch of volumes or issues or whatever you want to call it, where this guy focuses on this one particular thread or whatever. And, you know, like Goku has to go into like a, a, a battle zone where, or, or a Tesseract or something like that, where he has to train in order to, <laughs> to beat this guy or something like that. Uh-huh. We don't quite see that, that specific formula. Maybe we're just forgetting something. Maybe I, I, maybe I feel like that has to be the case. Like yeah. there's gotta be something out there that that's you know the 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 perfect representation of that in Western comics. There's yeah, we're, there has we're, we're gonna wake up tomorrow yeah. and realize, oh, why did we forget about that one? <laughs> I feel like there's something that I'm thinking of. Um I know that there was I, I think there was an anime about wrestling that uh that that sort of has that same like vibe to it and i feel like some wrestling comics might have something similar but okay i don't know uh, i don't know. again i i can't off the i can't off the top of my head uh say with any any certainty well if any of our listeners have any thoughts on that Hit us up. Let us know. Educate us. Yeah, please do. Please do. So you want to get into the... You yeah. want to start off with a Death Note? Yeah, let's uh, take a look at each of these four volume ones. And we'll just cover them in chronological order, meaning uh, the order that they were originally published. Yeah. So we'll start with Death Note. And I'll, I'll give a, a brief introduction with some of the uh, basic stats. So Death Note is written by Sugumi Oba and drawn by Takeshi Obata. Out of the four manga that we're reading this week, this is the only one that has a writer-artist duo. The others are all uh, written and drawn by the same creator. Of course, being big manga, I'm sure... All of them have a bunch of assistants helping them too. So Death Note was originally serialized in Weekly Shonen Jump from December 2003 to May 2006. It ran for a total of 12 volumes. So it's not quite as long as some of these other ones. It was published in America by Viz. And I just checked this on Wikipedia. But as of April 2015, there were over 30 million copies in circulation. So gives you an idea of how big it is in terms of sales yeah albert you want to share a brief synopsis of death note volume one sure thing sure thing so uh the main character is light yagami or he's one of the i guess you could say he's one of the main characters and uh he's a young man who stumbles upon a mysterious notebook that belongs to ryuk a death god and what he learns is that with the power of this notebook, he has the ability to uh, decide who dies. And uh, and by using this notebook, he decides to take it upon himself to make it his mission to cleanse the world of evil 
and to instill his order upon the world um or or rather his belief system upon, upon the world and uh yeah and, and it's really a story about the the world as it responds to these mysterious deaths that res- result that occur as a result of light's use of this mysterious notebook and the cat and mouse games as they try to either capture light and discover who he is or as he tries uh, to evade the forces that would try to stop him mm-hmm. am i missing anything i think that's the basic summary of volume one yeah it's yeah. good yeah so overall thoughts on this book i thought it was definitely a different standard of quality compared to the other manga that we had read um the most notable thing being that well one the art is substan- is is definitely better than those other books so i do think there's that but uh the other thing that we mentioned was that this wasn't necessarily a well it's not a battle manga because it's not about him beating up all the other death gods or anything like that <laughs> you know um It'd be funny if that's what it turned into by the yeah. end. It'd be <laughs> kind of disappointing. It's just him spin kicking all the death gods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, you know, as I mentioned in the synopses, a lot of this, a lot of this manga really does focus on the cerebral uh, storytelling uh, or the cerebral aspect of it, where it's really about the the cat and mouse games that the various characters are playing with each other as they try to outwit each other, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's character development, but it's not tied specifically into the act of like beating up another person. Yeah. What about you, Drew? You mentioned, uh, that you thought the art was substantially better than the artwork in the other books. Uh, you want to elaborate on that or what, what it, was it about the art and death note that stood out to you or that you enjoyed or appreciated about it? I thought that one, I thought that the line work was a lot finer than the, the other works that we were looking at. It, mm-hmm. I thought the detail was a lot sharper. Um, let's see. Um, Obata's art is a style that's very clean, but also full of stark contrast between black and white. I've noticed, mm-hmm. like it, mm-hmm. I think it makes it pop, and it's it's not it doesn't look quite as sketchy. It, it looks, yeah, it just looks clean. It looks I, clean. Yeah, yeah that's that's, that's really it. the best way to describe it. And uh, you know, not to give away too much, but compared to something like demon slayer like i i felt like demon slayer was pretty typical of what i would see in other manga you know um that like i didn't really feel like there was anything special to to it i didn't really feel like 
it really jumped out at me in terms of the designs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if you were to put Death Note side by side up against something like Demon Slayer, it's just it's just so much more detailed, and there's so much more work put into the line work of it all that yeah it just feels like it's better you know or 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 at least that they put more effort into it Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think the contrast between black and white really jumps out too it it just gives it uh as far as black and white art can go I, i think it's quite vibrant yeah the design of Ryuk is also a perfect design. Like I, I think that the way that Ryuk looks is like number one, he's a very memorably uh, designed character. He just stands out. You know, you look at him once and you'll remember who that is. Yeah. But, and then secondly, the way that he's designed is quite ingenious because he's able. He's a character. He's the death god uh, that follows around light, but He's a character who can look both scary and threatening, but also goofy and kind of silly at times. Yeah. Like that's that's not an easy mix to capture because it, it never feels like one of those aspects is sacrificed in favor of the other. It just looks like the character just has this fully formed personality in his design where he can look scary, but he can also look goofy. And, you know, you would imagine a death god would be quite frightening, but there are there are moments in the story when Light does or says something that surprises him or catches him off guard, and he, he just looks confused because it's like, oh, this human is more clever than I thought. Or, or you know, like he's... He's not an omnipotent death god or anything, or an omniscient one. Mm. He's got foibles. Kind of looks funny sometimes. Yeah, he's got... I, I don't really know how to describe him, except he's he's kind of lanky. He's like this big, lanky, mm-hmm. goth, zombie-type-of-looking guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and he's got, like big lips and like bulging eyeballs Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's a pretty unique look and being this many years out from the uh original release of the show or of the of the manga like you can tell that it's a look that has withstood the test of time and that Mm -hmm. it's like you said like it that so many people have recognized it that I, I guess it's gotten to the point where it's almost iconic at this point, especially, yeah. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I do think, uh, yeah, I do think that Ryuk has a pretty cool look and, and it, they definitely, especially in a world where, other death gods do exist, but so much of that first volume spends a lot of time and energy based in the real world. So he's really kind of the one big set piece that they get to 
really uh like dwell in you know uh, mm-hmm. if, if they're gonna go wild for this one for this first volume um that isn't to say like it, it they definitely tease more things as they move on uh you know in the series but just based on that one design alone it, it does feel like it's it sets you up to expect uh, that whatever they do moving forward is going to be pretty well done and pretty pretty cool looking. Yeah. Yeah. Did you... What was your overall impression of the story uh, from what you read after having read that first volume, Drew? I liked Death Note Volume 1 a whole lot. It's a psychological thriller of a morality play with the supernatural elements involving the, the Shinigami or the death gods. And this is, this is the one out of the four that I liked enough that I'm definitely going to finish reading it to completion. Unlike a lot of other shonen stories, this one isn't one of those, uh, it doesn't fit in that mold. You know, it, it, it breaks that mold of, being a story about a plucky underdog who rises above his challenges and becomes physically stronger. Instead, I think this series seems to be an exploration of how far someone is willing to go to accomplish his goal of eliminating evil and establishing utopia. Mm. Like, There's just something compelling about Light Yagami's extremely ambitious quest to use the Death Note in order to cleanse the planet of evil people by murdering them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His <laughs> and, plan. And, oh, go ahead. Yeah. And and likewise on the flip side, there's something equally compelling about this mysterious L's quest to figure out who is killing all of these criminals and how to stop the killer. And like you were saying earlier, the the cat and mouse game between L and Light, it's there's a lot of tension and I think each chapter does a good job of highlighting that tension, building it up, giving us a bit of an explanation of the rules of how the Death Note works and, and uh, you know, showing us uh, Light's progress in doing what he's doing and also showing us the reactions of the police and society as a whole. There's there's just a lot of tension built into the concept, but there are also hints for even more expansive possibilities. Uh, and I don't even know if the series will go there, but just the fact that uh, Ryuk exists and we've even seen scenes with other Shinigami yeah. in the Shinigami world, there's, there's something... Uh, that kind of taps the imagination there, you know, it makes you think, Oh, I wonder if the story is going to get even more ambitious or, you know, how is this story going to play out over the course of 12 volumes? And yeah, yeah, I think I just enjoyed a lot and I've, I've already started reading a bit more. I think I'm actually on like volume three or four now. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah. I was going to say that there's there's definitely this feeling of oh yeah what I was going to say was his 
his entire plan is really interesting. It's you're right. It's totally ambitious. It's this idea that once he's figured out that he can use this notebook to to essentially kill people, like the, this notebook essentially gives him the power of life of of death, not even life or death, just death. He, it gives him the power to kill someone from you know whatever distance as long as he can write their names in the book and he can envision their their face right mm-hmm. that's i mean there are a lot of a bunch of other like rules that they worked into it but uh on the, on the most simple level that's that's kind of what the uh the the baseline for the ability of this book is right yeah and once he looks at that and figures it out, he decides that he's going to use that to make an example of all these killers so that the idea being that if I can show the world that by being evil, you will be struck down and killed by this otherworldly force it will force people <laughs> to behave on their own accord because of the fear that they might be <laughs> struck down out of yeah. nowhere you know mm-hmm. that is a pretty crazy plan <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's very ambitious yeah and and it's an interesting dynamic too cuz his his counter I, I guess his counterbalance is that is the detective the mysterious detective who go, goes by the name of L and this guy is just doing his job which is he's trying to stop this person who's committing a crime but if you really think about what Light's uh, goals are they you would kind of think that they wouldn't be super at odds with each other, right? So if you were a police officer, you would just let him continue to kill all these people? No, I I, I didn't say that. I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, as a police officer, your job is to uphold the law, so no one is above the law, right? But mm-hmm. the idea of imposing or or finding a way to impose a uh a, for the better lack of a word like a a prison of the mind on on the the whole of society so that people will be forced to self-regulate themselves mm-hmm. uh i mean that that should fit that should align with the purpose of uh, a police officer, right? Because yeah. uh, that should align with the goals of a police officer because one, yeah, their job is to enforce the law, but at the end of the day, if everybody else is conscious of their behaviors and the consequences of their actions, like that only helps the people who are enforcing the laws so that 
you know, they they can only be needed when it's truly absolutely needed, right? <laughs> or or maybe you might even go so far as to say in a perfect world where people are uh self-regulating in the most ideal way possible, a cop or the police don't become necessary all of a sudden, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's that's there's an idea. <laughs> maybe his self-interest is that uh, if they get rid of crime they won't need him. <laughs> he won't have a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh that that's interesting. Now now it'd be interesting to see if that's something that they explore in in the uh following volumes. Uh, I I, I kind of doubt they'll go that route, but who knows? I think the fascinating thing that I've just gathered from what you said is that Death Note gives us these ideas to ponder and think about. It Like, it, it has something to say about society, you know? Like, there's some commentary and some subtext and, you know, just additional depth in the story that we can yeah. glom onto. And I, I think that helps not only with the entertainment, but with just the, just in terms of grabbing my interest, you know? It gives you something to get invested in. Yeah. 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 It, it's not necessarily the characters. It's, it's the ideas, you know? Like, yeah. it's, it's not like I look at the character light who is ostensibly the protagonist of the story. I don't look at him and think, Oh yeah, that's a cool character. I, I want to be his friend. You know, if if I had a Death Note, I would do the same thing. No, yeah. of course not. He's, yeah. But he's compelling, you know, and there's a difference yeah. between liking a character because he's compelling versus liking a character because you find him endearing and you want to be his friend, you know? Yeah. And I, it's I, I feel like it, it's kind of like a, a young man's or a, like a young person's point of view or like the way that a young reader reads a text is, is to find someone that they can relate with and... When once you have that connection, that that's you know, you're bonded to the character. You you like the character the way that you would like a favorite toy or a favorite song or something. But yeah. In, in this case, it, it's not really that at all. It's just compelling because this character is being used to help us explore these ideals, ideas of justice and who has the right to make who has the right to decide what is good and evil you know who has the right to punish people who are clearly evil yeah. like yeah. there there's a lot of interesting thoughts and questions that arise from just thinking about the story yeah i was gonna say it's interesting that you mentioned uh you know just how the reader's reaction to these characters are uh like i'm not gonna like overgeneralized because I don't know how like prevalent this as a phenomena is, but I do feel like uh, amongst the kinds of anime fans uh, that exist, uh, there there's a particular subset of anime fans who, when Death Note was at its the height of its popularity. There were people who were really into the 
character of light uh and i don't know what it was about it i don't know if it was and maybe this is all this is me like doing some psychological navel gazing on my part or something like that but it it does feel like the the power that that light has which is the power to uh you know strike down anyone in the name of his justice or the justice that he believes in um anonymously but and and to have the this power of a god like and the power of like life and death over individuals the, the power to like strike terror into people like i do think there was a subset of anime fans that were really drawn to that mm-hmm. and they were like at, yeah at, at its most extreme and, and anime fans are usually always are, are not usually but there are there are a lot of anime fans who are more intense about these things than they should be why why does it feel like you're you're uh being careful with your words when i know you just want to say something outrageous (laughs) i i'm trying to articulate it in a way that your average person can wrap their head around what it is i'm trying to explain Mm -hmm. because otherwise i'm just gonna spew a lot of um internet lingo and invective that would just be meaningless to most people <laughs> you know got it got it so so i'm being mindful of how i'm trying to communicate what it is what exactly it is i'm trying to communicate but fair but there there do seem to be a lot of uh individuals uh resentful individuals with you know who 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 took light as an example for how they wanted to behave in the world and Mm -hmm. you can if you like juxtapose it against people's behavior on the internet like there's and again this might be me making connections that might not necessarily be there but i you know there's there was something about this character that appealed to, um, you know, like the worst kind of internet edge lords, and, <laughs> and yeah, just edge lord is correct. The it? worst kind of characters online, and uh, I could see them making that connection, looking at light as someone to be idolized, even though. Like Drew was saying, the it, it's kind of the point isn't that you should be looking at this guy as a swift angel of justice or vengeance that you should idolize, because you know there's something not okay with that there too, right? There's mm-hmm. something uncomfortable about someone who has that level of power and immediately decides to use it to just you know strike down a whole bunch of people i I, i'm not saying that it's not tempting yeah and i'm not saying that it's a power that you should never use but this guy kind of did it with a little bit of gleeful abandon you know (laughs) (laughs) um and and what ended up 
what what we do see with those kinds of fans is yeah they they kind of took that idea and ran with it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah that's that was an interesting thought that i that i had in regards to death note yeah there are a couple of other things that light made me think of uh, just because he reminded me of a couple of other characters in other stories, but he somewhat made me think back to uh, the villain character, the teenage kid in Inuyashiki. Yeah. Remember that kid? Because that yeah. kid basically had the power like, to kill a bunch of people, right? But it wasn't by writing down their names. He could just he log just into butchered them. Yeah, he could just butcher people by uh you know, if they got online or something, he can use his powers to kill them if they look at him uh through a monitor or or, or a camera or whatever. And even even though that kid didn't have any real ideology other than that he just like hated people, mm-hmm. th- there's there is something kind of similar to it because it, it almost feels like that kid would be like the worst version of the person you just described who would be a fan of light, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There. It's, it's the troubling thing about fiction in that is that as you know, for people who create works of fiction, you can't always control how people interpret it or how they internalize it. Mm-hmm. And in the worst cases, people take these things and they just use them as justifications for just terrible things, terrible behaviors, terrible actions. Totally. Um, And yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. I don't like, I don't believe in censorship, but at the same time, it's just like, I, I do wish people were more, introspective and more literate i wish people were smarter there we go there we go that's the short (laughs) answer i I wish people were smarter exactly you know like yeah it it reminds me of uh i was watching bill maher today and he he did a piece about hollywood and uh and like the, the movies that they make today and one of the things that he was talking about, and you know, I, I think there's ways to dissect what he said, uh, and and maybe even refute some of it. But one of the things that he mentioned was that, you know, in 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 light of what we've seen uh, in in the past couple of weeks with uh, gun violence, um, he he offered this hypothesis, which was, you know, we make a lot so much of our storytelling revolves around the idea of um is the term bereaved bereaved individuals uh people who or, are grieving no maybe not bereaved wronged people who feel like they have been wronged taking vengeance upon people right or or pursuing yeah. seeking vengeance upon people and he was talking about how so much fiction is about that to the point where is it really such a huge leap 
to look at, you know, people that act out in this way, uh, to, to, who, who act out violently? Is it such a huge leap to look at, you know, the, the culture that we've developed and the stories that we tell ourselves in which the response to things is that you got to get your gun and you got to, you know, make you, you have to get your vengeance in this world because no one else is going to do it for you. Right. Like, I, I sorry, I, I feel like I, I've gone on kind of a weird tangent, but I, I do feel like. No, you're, that... you're on a soapbox, man. This is your podcast, so <laughs> you, can, you can say whatever you want, man. I, it's I'm only going to be used against you as evidence in the court of law. Probably, probably. But at this point, we've got, you know, hundreds of hours of me <laughs> saying all kinds of nonsense. So, you know, uh, whoever the detective <laughs> is or the prosecutor, they're going to have to sift through a lot of material. Right, right. <laughs> no, but I was just saying that, yeah, it's this idea that, uh, you know, when we tell these sorts of stories, uh, when we, when you look at the character of Light, it does kind of make you wonder or it makes me wonder at least whether whether people look at that and again whether they just walk away with the complete whether they walk away with the most like basic idea of of what's on the surface as a justification for you know whatever issues that they're dealing with but aren't necessarily working to resolve if that makes any sense yeah so it's it, it almost feels like yeah, this guy's got the right idea. Like his, the problem is the world is full of injustice, and it. This guy took it upon himself to deal with it, and you know because I'm sad in my life, this seems like the the appropriate answer for <laughs> for my problems, right? Uh huh. So it just, I don't know. That that's what it feels like to me sometimes, and it it, it it's just this thing where it. I I wouldn't say that. Uh, you know the the people that created Death Note or uh, uh, what was that other uh, manga that you just mentioned, the one with the kid? Uh, Inuyashiki. Yeah, Inuyashiki. Like I wouldn't say that they need to change what they're doing or what they're writing, but it, again, like I I wish people were smart enough and introspective enough to like look at these works and not and not, not have their, the wrong lesson. Yeah, exactly. Not have their takeaway be yeah, I want to be like this guy because nobody messes with him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he's the one that he's the one that sets the rules, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There's Anyways. another character uh, that I'm reminded of when I look at Light, and that's the character of Lelouch from an anime called Code Geass. Now, Code Geass is a mecha anime, but it's also story about this high school boy who gets this power where if you if he looks you in the eye he can give you a command that is irresistible and you have to do whatever he tells you it only works once but you know he can obviously bend your will and command you to like kill yourself or kill other people or whatever it may be and and uh he decides to use his power to you know basically get revenge against the people who killed his mother uh destroy the empire that conquered his country and also create utopia on earth so 
and again he's in he's in high school so it's very ambitious plan um yeah to use this power and the way that that story plays out it code gs is a mess it's an ambitious mess i don't know if i would recommend it unless you were like super interested in it uh but but i would say that there's definitely a lot of interesting elements to it and when it's when that show is working the ideas that it presents are kind of similar to what I see here in in Death Note, namely the idea of what gives somebody the right to do all of this. You know, like just because somebody has the might doesn't mean that he has the right. Yeah. And then there's also these uh, other elements that I, f- I feel are similar between the, the two characters because light is portrayed as this very very intelligent cunning high school student and Lelouch also is portrayed in a very similar way where he's extremely clever very strategic yeah and there's something kind of threatening about their personalities just because they're so cunning yeah yeah Do you so think... the... mm-hmm. and again this is kind of to go back to my soapbox topic from you know a few minutes earlier but do you think it says something that these are all like disgruntled teenage boys is there a reason (laughs) that like they're all portrayed as these young uh impressionable volatile men i mean if you think about it i think most mass murderers are men yeah yeah so you know maybe it's just but the natural way of something is there something about being that age and you know having a particular outlook on life that combining that with a bunch of power not maybe not even a bunch of power but just being at that point in your age where you are just old enough to, I guess, take agency over yourself and act on, on it. Mm. Cause you know, not again, not to draw too many connections, but even a kid at that age, when, when they get access to an assault rifle or something, you can do a whole lot of damage with that. And, but it's, it's not just, the fact that this kid, you know, had these ideas, it, like, they had to be at a certain point in their age where they were, for the better lack of a word, confident enough to, like, be willing to follow through on whatever terrible idea they had, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, the right mix of immaturity and power. Yeah. And yeah. inexperience, perhaps. Also, yeah. you know, a lack of empathy and probably a poor upbringing. <laughs> there's there's tons of reasons. I, I couldn't go into the psychology of that kind of thing. But mm. I will say that in Lelouch's story in Code Geass, his, his quest basically leaves a trail of shattered lives and and... Yeah, there's a lot of death because of his actions, even though he's still trying to impose utopia 
there's there's this sense of him uh once once he once he does one let's say one bad thing that ends up hurting a bunch of innocent people it's it's almost like that kind of forces him to commit because now that he's sacrificed some people he has to go all the way you know right and and it kind of reminded me of uh light and how actually i'm not even sure if this is in volume one anymore because i read ahead so i might be i might be mixing things up but at, at one point uh i think there's uh like a police officer or somebody who gets close to figuring out who he is or there's some investigators who are investigating him and he ends up killing them so he won't be investigated you know just to protect his secret yeah and those people they weren't criminals yeah. they were just going to find out who he was yeah yeah but like once he does that he's he's pretty much even more committed than he ever was because otherwise he would have killed them for no reason yeah now all of a sudden his his uh ideology and his uh you know quote unquote integrity like they're kind of meaningless they they've all gone out the window because Mm-hmm. you know this this idea that light's going to create this perfect world where people self-regulate themselves he's just proven that even he the person who came up with this idea is incapable of following through on that yeah so yeah so what's the point <laughs> yeah that that's what makes the story fascinating because there's yeah. that constant tension between his desire to establish utopia and yet he's going about it in a very fascistic manner. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we move on to the next manga on our list? Let's let's what do we got? Next up we have Attack on Titan by Hajime Isayama. This was originally serialized in Basatsu Shonen Magazine from September 2009 to April 2021. It ran for a total of 34 volumes. It was published in America by Kodansha. And here's a little factoid I got from Wikipedia. As of December 2019, there are over 100 million copies in print worldwide. Oof. Wow. Wild. Albert, you want to hit the people up with a brief synopsis? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll try to sum it up to the best of my ability, but... In the world of Attack on Titan, we have uh, we have this civilization that is out in the middle of the wilderness, and in this civilization, there are uh, these three walls, uh, and in each within each wall are different strata of society. Uh, we follow, and the thing about this. Uh, civilization that exists out in this wilderness is that they are surrounded by these creatures called titans which are which are just giants they're giant man ears that just look like giant naked guys (laughs) (laughs) like that's literally all they are is just giant naked men who walk around swooping up and eating uh your your average people you know your regular normal people um of of average size so um you know the the people that exist within these walls have no recourse because they're incapable of leaving because if they venture out into the wilder world they'll just be completely 
eliminate uh they'll be completely wiped out so their only hope for survival is to uh fortify these these uh this to fortify this one city and to keep all of these titans at bay and uh the main character is aaron yeager who is a young man who lost his mother in an attack uh on by titans on titans i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and uh and he grew up uh you know harboring this resentment towards these titans and as a result of his experience he wanted to train himself to be the very best so that he could join the uh the i forget what the name of the core is but Basically, he wanted to join the the force that would that that served to help protect this fort uh, the fortified city uh, and and to kill all the titans, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the story there. Um, it, it's it's about Aaron taking his experiences, learning to train himself to move up through the ranks and eventually become the best Titan killer that he can be in order to, you know, save his civilization. Yeah. That sound about right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. overall, what did you think of the story for volume one? So I have to, uh, for, for the sake of disclosure, I have to let, let everyone know that I actually watched the first season of the show uh so so it wasn't when i read the manga it wasn't new new to me but i will say that even though it's been a while since i watched the show what i read off the manga was pretty pretty similar to what i remember on the show and if anything the first volume the first volume actually the first volume of the manga actually contained quite a bit of the the con- same contents of the show like for the number of episodes in the show that I watched it it covered quite a bit of material uh is what I'm trying to say mm. uh and it was also pretty true to the material from what I remember additionally the other bit of disclosure that I I feel like I need to disclose is that even though I finished the first season, I never went back to it, but I did spoil the rest of the series for myself by looking <laughs> at random things on the internet. So there are things <laughs> I'm kind of aware of. Okay. Already. Yeah. Did you uh, look up those spoilers intentionally or was that by accident? Uh, okay. So, okay. So one night I was in Vegas and I remember, uh, something... <laughs> I like where this story is going already. No, it's nothing bad, but I, I just remember I was at the in the hotel and I was just flipping through channels and Attack on Titan was on and seeing as how there wasn't really anything else on, I just kind of decided to watch it and it was it was an episode that revealed something quite big, I'd say. So so it was enough for me to get a sense of the trajectory of the story and where they were going uh, from from what I had seen already. And additionally, 
once that happened, I, I was just like, well, it, it kind of doesn't really matter anymore because I feel like I've I figured out what the main mystery is. So mm. I remember going on YouTube and just watching random things about it. <laughs> and it just so at that point, like, you know, the seal had already been broken. So I, I just figured what, what doesn't matter anymore. Um, I think I think the thing about what we were saying about how uh a lot of these shonen bat uh shonen battle mangas uh tend to be kind of a slow burn as you watch the character you know essentially do a training montage until he gets to the point where someday he'll be the best at whatever he or she are, is going to be the best at right mm-hmm. and um and I'd say that that's pretty true of Attack on Titan. Um, I do think that I do think that uh, there are definitely like elements of mystery to it. And if, if if you're not like an impatient person, those elements might be enough to keep you interested. Um, mm-hmm. I, like I'd, I'd be curious to see whether that was the case with you, Drew. Uh, but but yeah, I was gonna say like coming into this with the knowledge that I already have, I will say that on paper it is the kind of story that should appeal to me. But when I'm looking at this from the perspective of like what I have to sit through to get to that point, like I I don't know. It feels like it's quite a bit that i'd have to sit through so hmm. um you know it was fine that, uh, do you think that the spoiler that you discovered by accident is something that makes you less likely to watch more or read more or more likely uh i think it makes me more likely oh okay okay yeah because it wasn't the kind of spoiler where i was like oh that was stupid it it was it was in it was intriguing enough of a spoiler where I was like, oh, okay, that's what's going on, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. uh, I, I I was interested enough. Um, yeah, I, I I think okay in a vacuum, if I had reread that first volume without any of the information that I already had. I don't think I would be as inclined to uh, to to continue wow. to read it because okay. it's kind of a slow burn, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't think that the mystery in and of itself really did too much for me. Um, you know, it was fine. Uh, I I I thought like it was a competent competent enough of a work, but yeah, like if if I didn't spoil it for myself i probably wouldn't have any reason to go back to it um what was the other thing oh and and in terms of the art like i thought the art was fine too a lot of uh anime fans seem to be really into the the uniform designs for the uh the exhibition core or whatever those guys are called uh the 104th training core the survey core survey core oh yeah yeah that sounds right yeah, 
So I'm I'm curious to see what your thoughts on it were seeing as how this is something that I imagine you this is like your first real experience with Attack on Titan. Yeah, I have not watched the anime, although because it's like probably the most popular or the biggest anime right now, can't help but hear some things about it. I don't really know any spoilers, but uh-huh. I do know that a lot of people watch and talk about it. You know, you have podcasts that are dedicated to breaking down every episode as the episodes come out. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. clearly has a huge, huge fan, fan reaction to this. Yeah. 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 And after reading the first volume, honestly, I felt like I was missing something. Like, I recognize that it's a global phenomenon, but this opening volume didn't really draw me in. Yeah. It wasn't, it, I didn't think it was bad. It was just a little bit bland. Yeah. And like you were saying, in, in theory, on paper, it has a lot of stuff that I should like. Yeah. And, and like the things that come straight to mind would be uh, number one, it, it has a protagonist with a tragic backstory, which is. You know, maybe it's a standard thing, but I'm probably kind of a sucker for that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a lead female character who is more competent than the protagonist. That's something I always dig. And like you said, there's a mystery, too. There's a mystery element. There's a mystery regarding the lore of the Titans and, and the walled cities. And what, why is why is the world like this, basically? Yeah, yeah. Like, those those are all things that, in theory should suck me in but i think the execution is where the experience felt a bit lackluster to me yeah the opening few chapters try to hit some emotional notes i'm thinking specifically about uh aaron yeager's mother and what happens to her but yeah it tries to hit these emotional notes and i can see where isayama wants certain moments to hit hard but they felt like moments that I understood intellectually as opposed to moments that engaged my emotions. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, okay. I'm visually now. seeing as your family is dying. So I understand how that would be painful emotionally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, that's what I was feeling instead of just feeling the hurt that the character felt, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a savage moment, but because he didn't really, uh, Isayama didn't really do anything with that with that character when she was alive. Yeah, it just kind of feels like the story showing me what happens to a piece of meat. Yeah, you know, there's there's no, it's not a person or it's not a character who gets killed. It's, it's yeah, intellectually, I recognize that as Aaron Aaron's mother, but that's the way that yeah. Yeah, it's not a person. The way that it's set up, she's more of a prop than she is like his mother. Yeah, is what it, it is, right? It kind of she's uh, really harkens back to women in refrigerators, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Like her, we're supposed to just take it on face value as the reader that this yeah, he is loves his mother. His mom. Who yeah, doesn't love their mom? mom? Exactly, yeah, that's, right? That's a universal feeling. So it's obviously given. it's yeah it's a given yeah. but I, I still think th- that not presenting her as a character cheapens yeah. the effect Absolutely. It, it, it just feels it's the kind of thing that reeks of lazy writing to me you know like you want to yeah, give yeah. the hero 
a tragic backstory and motivation. He needs a reason to be pissed at these things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this yeah. is... Yeah, like, it's just like Kyle Rayner coming home and finding his girlfriend in the refrigerator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know anything about her. You don't have time to get to know her. The writer doesn't spend any time or effort trying to humanize her or give her a sense of you know to endear her to the reader you just you're just presented with the character and then the character just cannon fodder savagely killed exactly yeah. just cannon fodder yeah so i'm i'm not too big a fan of that I, I don't think that works here yeah even though i understand what the aim was yeah. there's also some backstory between mikasa and Aaron that's hinted at but those little tidbits just make the story feel plotting to me because we don't really see much about their relationship other than yeah. the fact that she's probably better than him at what he does and that she looks out for him. Yeah. I don't totally mind that because I assume that there's going to be some kind of future revelation or future developments, but it also feels like there's so little done with Mikasa's character that she's not particularly memorable nor endearing to me either. Yeah, she Again, just it, feels it, like a typical like mm-hmm. cool cool person character, right? Like whose yeah. only job is to kind of stand in a corner and look menacing or look cool and collected under pressure. Yeah, like, exactly. It just doesn't really do much overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and like speaking of of the writing and the craft of it. Uh, I was thinking about this just in comparison to Death Note, but Death Note has really, really well done chapters in terms of how they're paced and in terms of the amount of stuff that happens in them and the cliffhangers at the end. Like, I feel like that's serialized storytelling at its best. It was like Death Note was almost like Brian K. Vaughn level cliffhangers, you know, like it's the kind of thing where one chapter ends. And you get a satisfying story in that little chunk, but now you just got to know what happens next because of the way that they've built it up and the way they ended it. Yeah. Whereas with Attack on Titan, you don't really get that kind of feeling. Like, it's it's not a story that I, f- I felt uh, is built around these cliffhangers that make me want to read what happens next. Yeah. And may- maybe that's just a product of it being a slow burn kind of story. But it, it also just kind of made things feel kind of samey to me. Um, you know what? The, maybe that's not entirely fair, but that's just how I felt about it. Yeah, I was gonna say. You know what the funny or weird thing about this is? Like, what we read in the first volume already felt kind of slow to us. But if you th- if you had actually watched the anime, like, I'm pretty sure now that I think about it that first season of the anime felt substantially slower than this you know because they spent a lot of time like spacing all of these events out so that they covered like one season Mm. so so wait are you saying that the first season just covered volume one no 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 like like a bunch of episodes yeah maybe like the first 10 episodes or not maybe not even 10 maybe less than that but yeah, but still, it, it. I'd say that the anime felt just as middling and slow. Did the anime at least 
take the time to build up the characters a little bit more? Like, do you get a chance to know his mom and to know Mikasa? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I don't think you do. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think they provide you any more context to the mom or Mikasa than what you saw in the book. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You. You might have had a couple of extra scenes with the mom here or there, but nothing. Nothing significant. Yeah, nothing significant. Yeah. Yeah. A few other criticisms I have. Some of the character dialogue is very earnest, which seems to fit the stereotype of what shonen battle manga are all about. Eren wears his emotions on his sleeve. And I can go either way on that. Sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it does nothing to boost my opinion of the work itself. Say in this case, it did nothing for me. Maybe because it felt a little too paint by numbers overall. Like, uh-huh. we get that Aaron yearns to accomplish more than just living in the confined city walls. He wants to go outside. He wants to kill all the Titans he can. Yeah. Like, thinking about it, that's not too far off from Luke Skywalker in A New Hope, right? Or or Ash yeah. Ketchum from Pokemon. Or, you know, any one of a number of heroic player characters from a legion of RPGs. It's always got to start with the main character just wanting to go out into the world and to find out what's out there. And He's driven. Yeah, he's driven, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I also thought the artwork was a bit rough in places, especially yeah. in terms of panel-to-panel storytelling during the action scenes. They're just a bit unclear and not the easiest to follow. There were some. There are also some panels of the Titans that had strange anatomy, but I wasn't sure if that was because the Titans' anatomy isn't exactly uh, proportional to a human's, or if this was just a stylistic choice, or if the artist just goofed. I don't know. Maybe I'd have to like look at more of it to discern that. It but I, I do. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, generally speaking, I do think that the individual drawings are solid. Like he's got a good style and, uh, you know, like if I just looked at a random page without trying to figure out what was going on, like the actual drawing itself would look good to me. Like I, I do like his, his drawing style. His line is, it just feels potent to me, but it, it's the storytelling that I think is pretty rough. And, you know, this is just volume one, and he did a, like, what is it, 34 volumes of this, so I would hope that it improves over time. But, yeah, volume one, uh, visually, I wasn't I wasn't really into the battle scenes. Did you yeah. have any thoughts about his art besides that? Uh, I think I liked some of the world-building um, like you know, oh, the speak, fortress. speaking of world building, he he does have quite a few scenes, and some of these scenes are like the in between chapters pages where he he gives you like little diagrams, yeah, the of little graphic stuff. design stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it 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 reminded me of like a poor man's Jonathan Hickman, <laughs> like a data a data page, you know? Right, right, right. Where but, like, oh, this is the weaponry that your yeah. standard uh, survey corpsman uses. This is what the castle looks like. This is the anatomy of a titan. Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so I I can't say I was ever really into the idea 
of uh, the Titans just being giant naked people. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I guess if Attack on Titan was better, I, I'd probably be more forgiving of something like that. As it stands, I'm pretty whatever about that particular design. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do. I do like stuff like how the fortresses and how 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 it's built, like you know the the way the city looks, things like that. Uh, I like those sort of touches. Um, I guess I could see what the appeal of like the the Survey Corps' weapons are. So they have these these uh giant harnesses that they wear or i don't even know if harness is the right word but what it does is it 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 serves in two capacities one is it shoots these wires that allows them to like swing from you know ledge to ledge mm-hmm. and in addition to that the wires can also be used as as like blades right mm-hmm. or something like that like so they can oh no okay so these these wires are attached to these uh this apparatus that they wear around their waists and then addition in addition to that they have these swords and i'm not sure whether they're connected to this apparatus or not but these these swords can also be used as uh I don't even know how to describe it, but these swords have the ability to be stiff and sharp, but they can also be like flexible at the same time. Mm-hmm. And and the only way to kill the titans is by uh, stabbing them in the back of the neck, I think, like in this really specific spot in the back of the neck. So the thing about that is, I, I guess I can see why people think that's cool i i don't know if it does anything for me how is it portrayed in the anime is it pretty exciting and fun to watch uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm putting a lot of thought into this question <laughs> i'm i'm really trying to i'm asking myself whether i I guess so. <laughs> okay. Not the most convincing I guess so I've ever heard, but I'll take you at your word. Yeah. I mean, cl- clearly a lot of people like it. And like when I, when you go to conventions, there's always some Attack on Titan cosplayers. There are people dressed as the Survey Corps. Like, so I Does guess... Does anyone ever dress as a Titan? I have not seen anyone dress as a Titan. Yeah. Would they just be a naked person? They might have like a body stocking or something. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. I okay. If I was to think about it, I think the thing that appeals to people about Attack on Titan is uh, it's sort of that same thing that appeals to people who like uh war movies. Okay. So it's 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 the sense that. These people live on the edge of survival, right? And uh, you know, this survey corps, this they're they're 
they're basically soldiers in this war against these giant titans. So a, a lot of the stories revolve around like acts of heroism and you know sacrifice and courage and 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 uh, you know all the stuff that people look up to in in soldiers in in that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I had to guess. I, I want to say that that sort of those elements of the story are what appeal to people mm. who who enjoy this um but yeah other than that i don't really have much of anything i see yeah yeah overall i didn't think this was a bad volume one but it didn't yeah. immediately grab me i think if someone dumped more volumes of this in front of me i'd probably read more just to see if i can really sink my teeth into it but I'm not likely to seek out subsequent volumes out of my own volition. I'm not saying I'm done with this series, but yeah. it's just not a priority for me when I have so many other things I'm interested in reading. Did but you? I, I, I will. Oh, what is it? I was going to say, did you get the omnibus well, from the library? No, or did you I just, just get got the volume single volume one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was going to say that uh, after reading this volume one, watching the anime now is is a lower priority now than it was before i read the manga <laughs> Oof. yeah i mean Oof. It, to me it doesn't matter how popular the anime is and even though it's something uh everybody who's into anime always talks about when a new episode drops it, it's obviously a, a big thing and you know we have friends who watch it like zach is pretty big into this show yeah. i think after reading volume one I'm, I'm probably less likely to watch the anime i was i was kind of interested in the anime before but i think after reading this if i'm gonna consume the story i'd probably just rather read it and uh like i said it's just not a priority right now yeah maybe one day i was gonna say that the anime is a pretty accurate retelling of what you see in the manga Mm -hmm. so so i don't really feel like they deviate too far from one another Mm -hmm. yeah so you're not really missing too much there. Yeah. Shall we move on to the next one? Let's go. We are oh. now going to discuss Demon Slayer, right? Yep. So Demon Slayer by Koyaharu Gotoge, originally serialized in Weekly Shonen Jump from February 2016 to May 2020. It ran for a total of 23 volumes was published in America by Viz, and here's the factoid I got from Wikipedia. As of February 2021, over 150 million copies in circulation, including digital versions, making it the ninth best-selling manga series of all time. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Hit us with the summary, Albert. Uh, all right. So in volume one, we are introduced to Tanjiro Kamado. He's a young uh, young man, a villager, who you know strives to take care of his family. Uh, he's got siblings. He's got a mother who's on her own, and you know he goes out every day to you know collect coal and to provide for his family. And there's talks of demons that live in the surrounding area, but he just brushes that talk off as uh, you know as urban legend. Uh, or or 
not even urban legend as as the stuff of fairy tales until mm-hmm. one day when he returns home to find that his entire family has been killed by this demon and uh the only survivor is his sister Nezuko and but she as a survivor of this attack she she's sir she's suffering from the consequences of the attack which is she's been altered by it by the effects of this demon attack and she's begun taking on the tributes of a demon uh so when he first encounters his sister she lashes out at him but you know because he believes in her and he uses the power of you know brotherly love uh and family she resists and and he decides to go on this quest to I guess to to help his sister to to want to protect his sister and also to help her to regain her humanity. And while they're out on this quest, he encounters various demon slayers in the region who train him over time to become a, a great well not a great but to become a demon slayer in his own right so that you know he can survive out in the wilderness um and that's that's basically what the first volume sets up is uh him learning to it's it's one long you know montage of him training and fighting various demons you know his first encounter with a demon as he begins to become more confident and learn more skills and train with different teachers to fight stronger and tougher demons mm-hmm. that sounds so, about right yeah 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 what were your thoughts on this one albert if i had to be perfectly honest you have to be perfectly honest. Perfectly, <laughs> perfectly, okay? I'm not settling for semi-decent honesty. I need perfect honesty. Okay, I would not wipe my taint with this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that might have been too perfect. <laughs> yeah, if if I wasn't... Okay, if I was just kind of lukewarm on Attack on Titan, then this is probably... I'm even colder to Demon Slayer, quite honestly. Like, there wasn't anything about it that felt like it did anything special. Uh, There wasn't anything about it that didn't feel particularly unique. Um... I, I I can honestly say that I didn't I wasn't really impressed by the art I, I didn't really there was there wasn't anything really about it that got me to pause and marvel at what I was looking at uh, if anything it was it was pretty bland in my opinion mm-hmm. bland art uh pretty uncreative unimaginative story i think i even 
have to wonder like what yeah I, I, I catch myself wondering what its appeal is why why this is so popular um i think i've spoken to random people about it because uh, i go out to these cons and a lot of people ask for demon slayer stuff and just from what i've gathered it seems to be popular because you know people seem to like the the action sequences or the fight sequences mm-hmm. but other than that i haven't really heard much of yeah i haven't really heard much else to really establish why this is as popular as it is yeah i think it's just one of those things that it's not really aimed at us so we might yeah. just not get it you know that i think that's probably a big part of what it boils down to this is a story that's really popular among youth like teenagers and kids today that that are into anime and manga you know this is the hot thing yeah so it really is and and we we're we're like we're, we're basically like 40 and we're you dying know, exactly exactly <laughs> we're, we're getting closer to death yeah and uh you know this if we had kids this is the kind of thing that our kids would be into but we don't have kids so we're just dying <laughs> no i'm with you though i think out of the four that we read for this exercise for this episode uh-huh this was definitely to me the blandest one yeah like it it feels like the archetypical and formulaic shonen battle manga if you were to make a checklist of all the ingredients for one of these types of stories Demon Slayer hits all the marks. You have yeah. the underdog protagonist. You have the quote-unquote tragic backstory. You have yeah. a loved one who needs to be protected. You have rivals who beat him up and make him realize he needs to become stronger. There's a gruff and powerful sensei. There are some intense training montages. Yeah. And there's a reason for him to keep on fighting uh and that reason is revenge by slaying all these demons yeah so it it feels like something that's that was just crafted in a laboratory to appeal right? to yeah, yeah. It's, it's it just feels like it's a and i feel like this is an insult but i mean it is an insult but <laughs> let, let me finish it i was going to say it feels like a bland wafer a bland flavorless wafer and what i was gonna say is it feels like it's an insult to bland flavorless wafers but yeah (laughs) that's that's pretty disrespectful to wafers bland flavorless wafers man (laughs) but i i don't really have any other way to describe it it's a pretty it feels like a pretty cookie cutter uh anime uh series just have you watched the anime or yeah, manga, sorry. But that's did you that, watch it though? That's the thing I was gonna say. It it does make me curious. I might check out one or two episodes of the anime just because you're again, a social scientist. You want to understand the people. You want to yeah, understand the, the primitives. That it, <laughs> the savages. <laughs> no, in my pursuit to understand the the appeal of this thing, I. Like, if the manga 
manga isn't doing it for me, then I, I feel like I, I'm going to resort to watching uh, at least a couple of episodes just to see if there's something that I'm missing, you know? Yeah. I think I mean, that's more than fair because I don't even plan to do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I have, have you talked to people about this? Um. Well, I know that a lot of people do enjoy it. I was just talking to one of my friends at church over the weekend that mentioned that we were going to be uh, doing a, an episode on, on Shonen manga, including uh, the first volume of Demon Slayer. And he doesn't read manga really, but uh, he told me that he does watch the anime. Oh. And he, he likes, he likes Demon Slayer. Uh, he's, he's also quite a bit younger than us. He was like, he's, he's probably in his early twenties. I see. So it, it, seems like it's probably uh closer to his target uh age group in terms of entertainment mm. and uh you know eric is down with this show too he was telling me he he likes demon slayer finds okay. it entertaining so you know there there are people our age who who do enjoy it too <laughs> so we're the anomalies <laughs> i think we are man we're the we're the anomalies that that are just we don't get it, man. Everybody else gets it, and we don't get it. We're not hip, Drew. No, we're not. We ain't we're hip not, at all. We're not down with the people. We ain't down <laughs> with the youth. Uh, yeah. Here's a couple criticisms I have about the first volume of the manga. Like Number one, there's almost no characterization whatsoever, and what we do have is extremely paint-by-numbers. At least with Chainsaw Man, the protagonist in Chainsaw Man is he's a bit of a loser and he gets treated like a pet. So that yeah. gives him a sense of uh uniqueness, you know, like there's something different about Chainsaw Man. Yeah. Even Attack on Titan gives us hints of a mysterious wider world with these questions that need answers, but it doesn't really feel like there's anything like that in Demon Slayer. And I also think that a lot of the writing in the early chapters is full of exposition and unnatural dialogue designed to quickly explain to the reader the state of the world and the existence or the concept of demons. But there's nothing about the lore that's presented that intrigues me in the slightest. It's all very just dry, expository dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing about... uh, this first volume is I think the emotional content in Demon Slayer is non-existent. You know, I was just critiquing uh, Attack on Titan for being a failure in in that area, especially with Eren's mother. But I I think Demon Slayer is even worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. We get a couple pages of Tanjiro's family in the beginning only to have them massacred off panel. Yeah, and we they might as get... well have signs around their necks saying "We're here yeah. to be killed." Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. We never get the chance to get to know any of them as people. So, what ends up happening to them? Again, it's very women in refrigerators. There's very little effort given to show Tanjiro's sense of loss, too. Mm. In fact, it actually feels like the narrative completely glosses over his pain. We're regularly told that he's hurting and that he wants revenge. But I never felt it in my bones from the story because it's never really shown. It's always just told, you know, like that's yeah. that's some 
just poor storytelling right there. Yeah. Or at least lazy storytelling. It's exactly. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I don't know how to s- establish a scene that visually communicates it to you, to you, the reader. So I'm just going to tell you <laughs> in in a sentence because that's the easiest way to do it. And yeah. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not impressed by that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm moved it's, by it, and I'm not impressed by it. Yeah, I'm certainly unmoved by it, and it also doesn't draw me in. Uh, I think I'm a little bit softer on the art than you are. Like, I I don't think the art is too bad, especially in comparison to Attack on Titan. I think Demon Slayer's storytelling is much more clear. It's much clearer and easier to follow especially during the action sequences. I do think, in terms of just pure drawing, I like the drawing in Attack on Titan more, but uh-huh. I think Demon Slayer has better storytelling, okay. which is probably better as a comic because, yeah, aesthetics are kind of empty if you can't follow the story effectively. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll give I'll give Demon credit, I mean, Demon Slayer a little bit of credit for... Uh, at least having strong storytelling acumen. Okay. Okay. It so it's got that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can't say I much mean, else. I I don't plan to seek out any more volumes of this series. Yeah. Even if somebody dumped them in front of me, I don't think I would want to read them. Mm. I don't have any interest in watching the anime now. <laughs> At all. <laughs> At all. I had minimal interest before reading Volume One, but now that I've right. read Volume One, I don't have any interest anymore. I think I think I'm I've satisfied my curiosity about what Demon Slayer is all about. They killed whatever interest you did have. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also not a social scientist like you are, so that's even less motivation for me. Yeah. Well to be to be fair, like even even for the sake of my curiosity, like I don't think I'm gonna commit myself to finishing the entire series, or I doubt I'll commit myself to finishing the entire series um, in order before I make any sort of final assessment. I'd probably give it two episodes tops. Okay, that's still two more than I'll give it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not much to say to that. <laughs> You have any other thoughts about Demon Slayer? No, I I'm, I just want to reiterate that it's it's just something that felt like, even though it felt like a pretty standard number of pages for a volume one, I don't know, it just didn't feel like things were obviously happening, but it also felt like nothing that mattered was happening at the same time. You know, there was no meat. Yeah, there was no there there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. I guess so let's we can move on to Chainsaw Man. Yeah. So this is kind of the the hot new anime that's going to be coming out, or uh, it's well, yeah, the anime yeah. is supposed to come out later this year, and yeah. I, I'm guessing, I'm predicting that it's going to be a big hit. Yeah. I want to say like uh, you you pay attention to to this stuff more than I do, but like in terms of what fandoms or communities are saying, it sounds like it's uh. You know, I don't actually know what the fandom is saying because it feels like the anime 
circles that I, I visit online tend to be mostly centered around anime. So the only time they talk about manga is in relation to the anime. So they don't really talk about stuff before the anime comes out. I see. Huh. It's just it's just really my uh my comics sixth sense that tells me that this has a shot at being a big hit. Ooh, man, if you could use your powers and apply them to key collecting issues, <laughs> you'd be you'd be rich. You would yeah. sucker a whole bunch of fools. Possibly, possibly, man. But anyway, Chainsaw Man is by Tatsuki Fujimoto. It was originally serialized in Weekly Shonen Jump for the first part before moving on to Shonen Jump Plus for the second part. Serialization began in December 2018 and continues to the present. It's currently 11 volumes, so it's still ongoing. It's published in America by Viz. And the stat I pulled from Wikipedia, as of December 2021, it's got over 12 million copies in circulation which is not bad when you consider how recent the series is. What it was uh what did you just read? Demon Slayer had 100 million you said? Demon Slayer was 150 million. And this is 12 million? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's just a fraction, but Yeah. Nothing to sneeze but- at either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 12 million more than of anything that I've ever sold. Yeah. <laughs> so, there we go. You want to you want me to give the or did you have any other information about it that you wanted to share or No, go ahead and to... share the synopsis. All right. So, Denji, uh the main character is a fellow by the name of Denji. He's a, a young man who uh, I, I could be remembering this wrong, but at the start of the story, uh, we find out that he has he is in debt to to gangsters and, and debt collectors, and he he's gotten in debt not not by any actions that he's done, but because uh, he's I want to say his dad said his dad. Mm, yeah, I think so. Okay, so. I think his dad had accumulated a lot of debt and he died before he could fulfill his obligations. And as a result, the the gangsters take it out on this guy. And right at the beginning, we, we learned that he's sold like bits and pieces of his body to uh, try to pay off his debt. But, you know, that's pretty dire right there. And then he finds an alternative uh, method of paying off his debt, which is he befriends this devil, which is in their world just these, uh, I guess they're like, yeah, they're just devils uh, or, or like creatures, right? So he befriends this little devil, which is, it, it basically looks like a little blob with a chainsaw nose or a chainsaw blade as a nose. Mm-hmm. And he he befriends it and it decides to become loyal to him. And as a result of that, he decides to use his little 
devil buddy to hunt down other devils and that's how he decides to pay off his debt but one day he gets betrayed by one of the uh gangsters that he works for and he's sacrificed to this other giant devil creature and when when he sacrificed in the final moments before you know he he dies him and his uh little you know uh devil creature that he he's taken on as a pet they they fuse they essentially fuse with each other and when he awakens he uh <laughs> i don't know how else to put it but He's imbued with the powers of a chainsaw. He can turn his <laughs> body into chainsaw blades, which he uses to strike back at the 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 demon and the gangsters that uh, initially killed him. Uh, in which case, he comes into contact with a young woman by the name of Makima, who works as a public safety devil hunter, and she gives him an ultimatum being that she can he he is either with her or he is her enemy <laughs> <laughs> so she can either or so uh denji can either work for her as part of the public safety devil hunters or she's gonna have to kill him and uh you know this guy's life is just so pathetic and so miserable that when she offers him, you know, just the most basic kinds of foods, he decides that it's a far better deal than anything else he's got going for him. So he allies himself with her and thus begins his journey as Chainsaw Man working uh, with the public safety devil hunters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh... What are your thoughts on this this particular series, Drew? I actually thought the artwork was pretty good. I think it probably has my favorite art, uh, or at least it's up there with Death Note in terms of my favorite art out of the four books that we read this week. Mm. Uh, I can understand how Chainsaw Man could appeal to a massive audience because it's got a lot of action and violence, and <laughs> Denji's character design as the titular chainsaw man it's quite amusing it's a yeah it's a recognizable visual that stands out there's nothing quite like it It, it's obviously over the top and silly i'm sure there are going to be some kids that are going to take it totally serious and you know full (laughs) earnestness yeah but but as an adult looking at it 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 just makes me kind of (laughs) chuckle it's it's pretty out there yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's Denji is kind of like, what if Peter Parker got bitten by a radioactive chainsaw? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he, he's he's got a that loser attitude like Peter Parker does, but he's also a lot dumber than Peter. Like Peter at <laughs> least always had self-respect because he had you know Uncle Ben and Aunt May to instill values in him, and this kid is just man. It's He's... like, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. Go <laughs> ahead. Finish your thought, please. 
I was just going to say that this guy is the absolute worst outcome for a Peter Parker type of character. Yeah. It's like if if Peter didn't have anybody who cared or looked out for him in the slightest, this is probably how he would end up, just a desperate loser. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say he's he's a loser. There's there's yeah. really no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This Yeah. Yeah, Denji's a straight up loser. Yeah. There and there are times where I don't know if they're intentionally doing this, but it it really does feel like they don't even make him like likable or lovable. He's Yeah. He's just, <laughs> I I definitely wouldn't want to be his friend. Yeah. Well, I guess the one redeeming moment that he has is him saving the little you know chainsaw devil i i forget the little creature's name but yeah you know he he goes out of the way to like save this poor creature that's in the middle of dying so that's the one good thing he does but outside of that he's just pathetic (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah. The I'd say the basic premise isn't something I personally find inherently interesting. You know, yeah. a world where devils are born of human fears and they run around and it's up to these devil hunters to kill them. I mean, yeah. is that really that far off from a demon slayer, a devil hunter? So <laughs> totally you <know>. different. <laughs> <laughs> so you have these devil hunters make contracts uh with other devils in order to use their power. And I guess I guess that's a good enough reason to give us an excuse for plenty of gruesome hacking and slashing yeah but as good as the artwork was i have to say the writing didn't really draw me in like the first volume there wasn't anything that hooked me in a way and and i know it's possible that there could be some kind of twist in a future installment but you know, I've said earlier that if the first volume doesn't grab me, the likelihood of me continuing on tends to be pretty low. Yeah. But but ultimately, I, I really think that what's disappointing about the writing is that I've actually read another manga from Fujimoto. And this was a one-shot graphic novel that he did called Goodbye, Eri. It's available on the Shonen Jump app. It it was free a couple months ago, but now I think you might have to sign up to become a member. I will say that uh, the Shonen Jump app is it's probably like the best digital comics deal out there because it's only one ninety nine a month and you get so much. Granted, I, I don't think a lot of it appeals to us, but you know, just in terms of the quantity and the amount it costs, it's it's pretty worth it. Yeah. But I, I would even say like it's. Just pay the one ninety nine to read Goodbye Airy because that is a really good comic. Like that that comic is about it's it's emotionally complex. It's an emotionally complex story about a boy dealing with the loss of his mother. And it's a story that uses the comic's form to play with perspective, both in the visual sense and in the emotional sense. It's a really subtle, understated piece about mortality it's poignant and contemplative and i think it's something that makes you think 
about the nature of memory and how we often reshape our memories of our deceased loved ones in order to help us cope. Like the, the plot of that story is it starts with uh, the boy's mother is dying of some terminal illness. So she has her son basically make these home videos on his phone, just recording moments from her life so that so that he'll remember her as he grows up. And it's it's just a lot of these uh, captured moments. And then he eventually like puts them together. And then uh, she after she passes away, he puts these cuts together and makes uh, a movie that he plays at his school festival. And everybody's watching it, you know, seeing clips of his mother uh, in her final days as she's slowly dying from this terminal disease. Mm. And then, yeah, you, like you just see these scenes of, of her and then it ends in really dramatic fashion. Uh, or, I mean, the movie that he makes ends in dramatic fashion with him walking out of the hospital and then the hospital explodes. <laughs> <laughs> so like after that happens, like everybody's super confused about why he did that. Like, what does that mean? Um, you know, I don't want to spoil too much of the story because there there's kind of a twist later on that that shows up or that that appears in the story uh, that kind of recontextualizes everything that I just described. But man, I read that and I was pretty blown away by how good it was. Mm. So to know that the same creator did Chainsaw Man, it. It's kind of disappointing, honestly. It 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 just feels like Chainsaw Man is this low-hanging fruit designed to yeah. captivate mainstream audience of anime fans. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just knowing that the creator was capable of such a delicate piece of work, like something meaningful, you know? Like it I can't really say as of yet that Chainsaw Man is particularly meaningful, entertaining, sure, but mm. As far as something that I would I would dare to consider art with the capital A, yeah, this just pales in comparison to Goodbye Airy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably agree that something titled Chainsaw Man isn't uh isn't something that I would expect to be high art. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I didn't have a chance to read Goodbye Airy, so that's my, you know, my misfortune for missing out on that. Um, so I came into Chainsaw Man without really anything. Uh, like, I didn't even know that Chainsaw Man was a thing until you mentioned it to me. So this was a pretty blank slate to me. I, I'd happen to agree that the art is pretty fun to look at. It's got a lot of, uh, it's pretty kinetic and yeah. the, the, you know, there's a lot of like fast paced action. There's that to it. Um, but I will say that there is, there was something about Chainsaw Man that I did find a little intriguing, which was, I don't know. The, I think the thing about it, it is, about it is that it's just such a bizarre world that they live in that I I, I really don't know what to make of it. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they, they, 
it feels like they live in our world, but then you know the de- demons exist in their world too. Devils, demons, devils, devils. Sorry, devils exist in their world, <laughs> and just the way that people like behave, it's it's pretty off the wall. It's really bizarre, you know. Like I think the one thing that jumped out at me was just the way that Makima treats him, uh, where. For no reason at all, she talks about how, oh, you're you're gonna be my dog, and you're gonna just do what I tell you to do, and you're just gonna bark. Like those are all. At first, I thought they were just kind of being uh, like colorful with their language, but the more like I contextualize what it is that I'm reading, the more it feels like they're making some sort of statement about how Denji really is just kind of an animal, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So many of his behaviors just focus on um, just, like, the basic needs of any creature. Uh, There's this one scene early on where they're talking about his motivation for doing, for why he wants to be part of this public safety devil hunters, and... Uh, they team him up with this other guy who, you know, who who's kind of your model uh, agent or whatever. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the picture perfect model agent in their agency, and he's kind of slapping him around, telling him like, "You should quit right now because you know you if you're gonna do this, you need to do this because you're dedicated to this lifestyle because you believe in like killing devils, blah blah blah, right? All this stuff, right? And like. Denji's only response is, they feed me, and I'm going to have a chance to, like, touch boobs. So <laughs> that's more than enough for me. Like, And I just find the whole thing so perplexing. I don't know why they made this decision to, like, make him this creature, you know, to m- give him these this, like, motivation. Maybe it's and because he melded with his devil pet, because the devil that he melded with was more like a little dog or something, or yeah, had those yeah, kind yeah. of traits. That's true, but I guess that's the thing that's so weird to me is like, why, you know, why is this even a theme? You know, hmm. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm fascinated enough by it where. I can't help but ask myself or or wonder like where what what kind of statement are they trying to make or what kind of connection are they going to make between uh you know their treatment of him as an animal and what what he is uh or what he is uh in the context of his world you know Mhm it's just I I don't think I have an answer as of right now but you're right. In terms of the plot, it's not anything special. It's 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 pretty similar to I'd say Western superhero comics in that yeah, he 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 got bitten by a radioactive chainsaw and <laughs> gave him the powers of a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he goes around fighting evil with his chainsaw powers. Yeah. Like, that so gives that you front, a good idea of the tone of the story. Yeah, on that front, it's 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 not very 
it's not particularly impressive or original. I, well, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, I will say it's not pretentious. Yeah. 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 Like the, it doesn't really feel like this is a story where Fujimoto is trying to. So you don't think Chainsaw Man will go? The- Millions die if I fail. <laughs> if he does no, say that, I think if I am weak. <laughs> if he does say that, I think it'll be with a lot of irony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was that one scene where he was fighting with that other agent, and like it was just him punching him in the balls repeatedly. And he yeah. was like, "If I have learned anything from like living on the street, if I'm gonna fight." I'm all I'm gonna do is just punch you in the balls. It's funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. That is uh <laughs> that's funny, man. That's comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. because of that, because of the comedy, I th- I think it makes this one a little bit more palatable than something like Demon Slayer. Yeah. Demon Slayer didn't even have comedy. Yeah, Demon Slayer plays it pretty earnestly. Like that one is straight up yeah. trying to be uh, a dramatic action adventure story whereas this one i think i think it's kind of both ways right like he there's a story where it is an action adventure story but it's so over the top that you you just know that the creator is smiling and winking at you it's like have fun with this you know like i'm just screwing around here we're, we're gonna draw a bunch of uh blood and guts as he uses his chainsaws to slice people up <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He's not yeah. I don't think he's actually taking it all that seriously. Yeah, I don't I don't think he is either. Uh if I had to say it it it, it doesn't feel like again, like Denji's circumstances are not good circumstances, but at the same time his entire response is to just be like well, as long as you feed me and as long as I there's a chance I might touch boobs, I'm I'm as good as gold. Yeah. You know? And like that's and and again, at the beginning of the story, what's happened is he is so indebted, he has sold his left eye, he has uh sold some of his organs and uh you know, parts of his body just to make cash so that he can, you know, pay off this debt that he owes yeah for a guy who's in such a state like he is pretty nonchalant about the whole thing yeah part of it might be because he's too dumb to realize what he's doing yeah yeah right in some ways that makes him a little bit endearing just because he's a complete doofus (laughs) wow huh that I did not expect that from you, but interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you never met somebody so dumb you just couldn't help but feel sorry for him? Oh, uh, okay. All right, all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> fine, 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 fine. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's... If I had to pinpoint what my thoughts on this are, it's just such an off-the-wall, bizarre experience that I think that 
my inability to really pin down what it is or what it's going for is the thing that is keeping me interested. I I think I would check out additional volumes just out of curiosity, just to see if like this does go anywhere or if it just continues to be just this kind of mindless, you know, um, bizarre action series. Um, like a grand house series or something, you know? Yeah. 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 I think for me, I might actually seek out subsequent volumes of this too, but just not right now. It's, it's a bit of a low priority to continue on when I have other stuff that I want to read. Understandable. But, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not ruling it out. I'm, I might actually go back to the library. I don't know, in like six months from now when I've whittled down, some of the things I've, that are on my list. I might go back and go to the library and, and get volume two. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm going to check out the anime. Uh, right now, I probably won't unless I read more of the manga and the manga uh, hooks me in. Then I could see myself watching the anime when it comes yeah. out. But otherwise, even even if it comes out and becomes this big hit, uh, that's not the thing that's going to make me want to watch it. I will say that I did check out the 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 trailer for the anime. Yeah. And uh, in terms of the vibe of it, it 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 doesn't really feel like the manga. Uh, or or it doesn't feel like what I would have expected it to be, you know? Because hmm. have you seen the trailer? I did. Or at least I saw a t- the very first early teaser trailer. So there wasn't... Yeah. I don't really remember too much about it. I mean, just from what I saw, that that felt kind of earnest to me. But... That's it, true. It, it didn't really give you much either, you know? So the tone of it was kind of earnest, but I don't... I mean, for all I know, whatever the final product of the show might end up being, it could be just completely off the wall, right? Yeah. Do you think if the show ends up being playing it off as completely sincere, do you think that would make it even funnier? (laughs) (laughs) Huh. That's a good question. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. Actually, it'd be funny. Like, I'm... (laughs) Now that you mention it, like, if uh, if he did this completely dour Shakespearean uh, <laughs> a presentation of Chainsaw Man kicking this other guy just in the testicles repeatedly because <laughs> that's his fighting style, that'd be pretty funny. That would I think be, that'd man. be funny. Yeah. Totally. It'd be... It'd be unexpectedly playing against type so all right all right (laughs) (laughs) all right well did you have anything else not about chainsaw man do you have any overall thoughts on the stuff that we read uh i guess my one thing is i i don't know if this has made me a fan of uh shonen manga can you say that um I don't think I could either. It's yeah. I think if anything it it helped me think more about 
what it is about shonen battle manga that yeah as yeah. a genre that that makes it relatively unappealing to me yeah and yeah i mean it j- just goes back to what i was saying earlier because it's the the formula you know like this yeah the stuff that all the stuff that demon slayer checks off like i feel like that's pretty expected in these types of stories and unless there's something about the execution that is different or unique then it's it's not too likely for something like that to draw me in like out of the things that we read death note is the one that grabbed me the most i yeah. can comprehend why all of these became big hits but they're just not works that are targeted towards my sensibilities you know and yeah. it, it's not like i think a lot of shonen is inherently childish or immature a lot of these shonen battle manga they're not any more or less childish than a lot of the american superhero comics that we read yeah i, I really think it's just that these shonen may not appeal to me because because so much of the character development hinges on the protagonist growing stronger in order to physically beat a tougher opponent or overcome a tougher obstacle. And that's pretty much what counts as character development in these types of stories. Yeah. So there, yeah. There's something overly simplistic about it. I guess in an emotional way, there's something overly simplistic about it. So sometimes that kind of thing is okay. Uh, because it can be earnest and direct, but other times it makes the story a chore if I'm not interested in the premise or if the execution is uninspiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, man? What what about <clears throat> what are your thoughts about why these kinds of stories may not appeal to you? Unfortunately, it just feels like it just feels like everything that i had as a presumption about whether i would like most of these manga manga ended up just proving itself to be what i thought it was going to be you know um Mm -hmm. i do think death note definitely shows more promise than the other three on this uh it had the most potential to to keep me interested I guess, like I mentioned with Attack on Titan, there's a chance that with the knowledge that I've gained from, you know, from the spoilers that I watched that I'll I'll, I'll probably go back to that at some point just to see, you know, just to see it all play out. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I've already mentioned that with Demon Slayer, I'll, I'll probably give it a couple episodes just to see if I can satisfy my curiosity because like, I, I just don't get it, but well, I get it, but I also don't get it. <laughs> you know, it ain't rocket science, is it? Yeah. 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 Um, but you make a good point about just the formulaic nature of these shows. It, 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 it did get me thinking where I guess I had to ask myself, like as a kid, there, there had to be shonen manga that I was into as a kid. Uh, like, I do think I was into Dragon Ball as a kid, but I wonder if that was, you know, 
a genuine interest into Dragon Ball or whether it was just something where all the other kids were into it. So I was kind of into it by by default. Yeah, I don't know. Peer pressure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now I I wonder if I can ever really get back into uh that style of shonen ba- battle battle manga. Ugh. Maybe huh. you just need to talk to your friends who do enjoy that stuff and maybe a little bit of their enthusiasm uh, passion will rub off. or enthusiasm will rub off on you. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. But then again, you know, if it's more stuff like Demon Slayer, then maybe I won't miss that. And I'm just glad to have my time back so that I can focus on other things that I do want to read. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mhm. Yeah. So, are there any shonen manga at all that you genuinely recommend? I don't have anything on my list. Yeah, I I don't think I have anything that that meet, uh, meets that criteria. Um, I am reading some manga right now, but they're certainly not shonen manga. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're probably along the lines of, uh, what are, what did you call them? Sh- uh, Senen, Senen, yeah. Senen manga. So, you know, cause I'm grown cause I'm a man. We big boys. We big boys and Senen manga are manga intended for adult men. So there we <laughs> there go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. I don't know. I, I think there are shonen manga. There are shonen mangas that I want to be into just because I like the idea of, uh, you know, child-centric stories. That that's always been one of my uh, pet themes. But yeah, I, I feel like with a lot of shonen manga the characters tend to be not necessarily young children, but they're usually like teenage boys. Mm. Mm. Whereas I feel like I've seen more child protagonists in, in uh seinen or shoujo. So I don't know. Those might be things to consider. Yeah. Yeah. You got any uh, shonen manga that you would recommend? I do have some. In terms of shonen battle manga, the one that I would recommend is Fist of the North Star by mm. Bronson and Tetsuo Hara. And that that's a shonen battle manga that fits the popular mold, but I think because it's also older, it's the one of the originators of modern shonen battle manga. This was from the 80s. And and I definitely think it's schlock, but it's good schlock that I can enjoy. I dig it, man. It's just entertaining enough to capture my interest. And I think maybe because it was one of the earlier shonen battle manga that originated a lot of the you know, the the tried and true rhythms of today's hits. There's there's a purity to this one. There's a purity to Fist of the North Star as one of the originators that just makes it more palatable to me. 
Mm-hmm. Like this is a story about a post-apocalyptic wasteland, and we follow this guy named Ken, who's the master of this ancient, powerful martial art that gives him the power to hit someone in a pressure point and kill them or incapacitate them or maim them or you know he, they can do he can do all sorts of stuff by hitting your pressure points yeah and he just wanders this post-apocalyptic wasteland uh he's kind of a lone wolf but he has these little kids that look up to him for protection and follow him around he just goes around doing good and trying to help people but also minding his own business but it always what ends up happening is there's always some roving gand of roving band of marauders that that uh thinks that they can take advantage of uh you know these struggling survivors or or innocent people and Ken ends up helping them and that usually means he ends up horribly killing the people that are doing the bad stuff <laughs> and again it's it's very formulaic but there's just something creative about the way that he goes about it. Like there's always something a little clever or just straight up hilarious because yeah, he'll, he'll touch someone and then the guy's going to, the guy says some stuff at him. And then all of a sudden, because Ken touched him, the dude explodes, you know, like his (laughs) skeleton flies out of his body and is just, you know, there's just bits and pieces of his body lying everywhere because Ken touched his pressure point two minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes me yeah. laugh, dude. It makes me laugh. Right, right. <laughs> There's also this other one, a more recent one. It's currently ongoing. It's Two Year Eternity by Yoshitoki Oima. And it sort of fits the mold of a battle manga, but it's not nearly as repetitive or formulaic as some of these other ones. This one is truly epic in its scale and scope with a story that spans centuries and continents with bloodshed and ruined lives everywhere. It's a story that begins with this character named Fushi who starts off as basically this orb or kind of a rock. And as he meets people or living creatures, really, he starts to learn what it means to be alive and eventually uh, when he gets enough sentience, he learns uh, how to pr- use his abilities to transform into the people that he meets. He uses those abilities to protect the planet from these evil entities called knockers. So yeah, it's it's definitely got that thing where he, where the character is all about protecting people, but because the sp- story spans centuries there's also a lot of loss involved in the story so you get this idea of you get this depiction of what it means to uh basically outlive all the people that you love and Mm. unlike a lot of these other stories the mangaka definitely takes the time to flesh out these characters you you grow to love and 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 appreciate them as individuals before you know things happen to them and yeah it it's it never feels emotionally manipulative it's just genuinely stuff that connects with you on that level you know like yeah Yeah. that's what i i really dig 
Uh, and yeah, just there's a couple of non-battle shonen manga, just some of the stuff that we mentioned earlier at the top of the show. But yeah, I'd, I'd definitely highlight A Silent Voice, which is by the same creator as To Your Eternity. There's also A Man and His Cat and Nichijo. Those are specifically ones that, that I have read. And uh, I've watched uh, some anime of, of these other ones, but I haven't read the manga. They're definitely on my list, though, so I'm going to try and check them out at some point. But there's Oh Maidens in Your Savage Season and Flying Witch. I, I really like both of those shows. Nice, nice. Yeah. I did have a thought while I was listening to to your uh, descriptions. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, I was thinking back. I was like, man, I there's got to be a shonen manga or shonen style story that I liked, and it occurred to me like one of my favorite things ever uh, is is basically a shonen uh, story, uh, you know, based on the criteria you provided earlier. But I was thinking like one of my favorite video games of all time was the Mega Man series, and that's basically <laughs> a shonen right there. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah. And I was just like, I wonder why I like that, but I can't find it in me to like an actual shonen manga or a shonen anime. You think I it's the know. nostalgia? Maybe, but like I think even now I can still kind of play Mega Man and genuinely enjoy the experience. But mm. yeah, yeah, that was the one thought I had. Oh, I, I know that they've made a couple of Mega Man comics. I, I got to try those out. I, w- I wonder if they captured the the shonen es- essence in those comics. If they did, that could be my uh, my recommendation. Or, or yeah, my, my recommendation or the one shonen uh, comic that I do like. Yeah, that's a good point. I have read some of those American Mega Man comics, and they were pretty entertaining. Nice. I want to nice. say oh, that was Archie. Was that Archie? They took or over the the license for that. I I can't remember. Or am I? Or is it Udon? I I forget. I think it's Udon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure it's Udon. Yeah. I remember uh, reading some of those. I feel like there was a crossover with Sonic the Hedgehog at one point. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah, I think Sonic was being published by Archie at the time. Maybe that's why I thought of Archie. But uh, yeah, that that was that was some pretty entertaining stuff. I don't remember it too well. I just remember I remember smiling a lot as I was reading it. <laughs> nice, nice man. Yeah, I I did find those on Hoopla, so maybe it's time to to borrow those. <laughs> yeah, totally. Actually, if we're just coming up with other recommendations too, I, I would I would even recommend Sailor Moon, even though that's a shojo. It's categorized as a shojo, mm-hmm. but I do think the structure of that series is reminiscent of a lot of shonen battle manga. Because after we did that one episode uh, about volume one of Sailor Moon, like a year and a half ago, I did end up reading the rest of the series. And it, it's not super long. I think it was like 10 volumes. But yeah, it, it fits that pattern of uh, the protagonist battling a subsequently stronger villain within with each following story arc though i think the biggest difference between a shonen might be that instead of having a training montage where 
Sailor Moon learns new moves and techniques from a sensei or some trainer. Usually she just learns how to be a better friend or, you know, something about love uh, between uh, her and her friends gives her the strength to overcome the the newest enemy. Right, right. But yeah, it, it's got a structure that's definitely reminiscent of Shonen Battle Manga. Nice. And uh, yeah, and like I was saying earlier, when we were talking about Chainsaw Man, definitely check out Goodbye Eri by the same creator, Tatsuki Fujimoto, because it's, yeah, it's just a genuinely great one-shot manga. That sounds good, man. Like, I... You know what? For two bucks, just to read that and a, a whole bunch of other manga for, for a month? Hey, that's worth it, man. It is. It's absolutely worth it. Next week, we are going to be continuing our read-through of Mobile Suit Gundam, The Origin, which... I think is actually categorized as a shonen. Okay, there we I go. Think. That's yeah. that's my favorite shonen manga so far. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. So we are reading volume <laughs> six next week. All right. Well, if uh, you guys have any comments or questions or you know anything that you want to add to the discourse, feel free to hit us up on our Instagram. You can follow us at Between the Gutters, or you can email us at Between the Gutters Podcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at Between the Gutters. Yeah, feel free to follow us. Give us five stars on whatever platform you happen to be listening to us on, and uh, you know, share and. It would go a long way to helping us, and uh, we really appreciate your listening. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. This is Between the Gutters, signing off. Peace out. Guttering out. Nice. <laughs>